Yo, what's up? It's your girl, DJ Narc. What's going on? Um, I'm just going to fill Robert Grant here in on who DJ Narc is because I just introduced myself and I don't think he knows who that is. So, um, Robert. Hi. DJ Narc, hi. Uh, uh, DJ Narc is an alter ego um, who I just realized um, yesterday after hanging out with you uh, is uh, non-binary. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, because I realized when I was hanging out with you that, uh, I turned into like a 15 year old guy. <laughs> like I just saw so many times last night where I was like, you are so amazing. Like, and I just like was looking back at it and thinking what the fuck. And I grew up with three boys and I've always worn all their hand-me-downs and I've just like had a very male life. I had very short hair all growing up. Like. It's just been a thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, like, I realize now that I'm pretty clear of any emotional baggage that, like, when I'm really happy, I turn into, like, a 15-year-old guy. <laughs> it's so weird. So I was like, okay, that's part of my DJ Narc. So DJ Narc is an alter ego, but actually, um, in true Gemini form, the alter ego is the real me. Yes. Uh, and so it's just somebody, we, we talk a lot about the science of magic. Awesome. And uh, so I can't think of anyone more appropriate than you to have on. So if you would like to introduce yourself, and then we can get right into the Vatican stuff. Thing. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I'm Robert, Robert Grant. Um, very, feeling very lucky to, to be here with DJ Nark. Hey. <laughs> and, um, and also, uh, when I'm happy, I also turn into a 15-year-old boy, so we share this. <laughs> oh, my God, I yeah. was actually going to say 11-year-old boy, but... Uh, <laughs> Fifteen, I'll give, I'll give that. Listen, you know. I, I, I think, yeah, we just, we, we click. That's cool. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I have worked in industry for a long time. I've been a, an entrepreneur. Luckily, I've had some uh, relatively good success in my life and career. And um, I started about five years ago uh, after a very, very difficult period. Um, actually about three and a half years ago, it really intensified. Then uh, I started kind of turning more inward, I guess, and I started getting into mathematics and also into uh, sculpting and art. And I'd, okay. never, <clears throat> I'd never done that before. I didn't even know. I was always interested by the stuff, but okay. I'd never really chosen it in my career because when I was in college, I was forced to decide a major, which is one of the things I can't stand about the education system is that we're not allowed to be generalist anymore. Okay. Everything's about hyper-specialization because it's all based on scarcity. Mm -hmm. So you can't just go out there and like... No, the more specialized you are, the more you can command money for your time. That's right. And that's what it's all about. <clears throat> so there you go. Which then means we lose a lot of great stuff like the arts and music. Well, and no innovation really. Culture then, right? and philosophy and all this stuff. That's right. right. Mm -hmm. And that's where a lot of innovation comes from. That's right. When you can kind of cross over boundaries of what we call disciplines in the you know, academic world. You do that a lot. I, well, that's what I love to do. So I'm, I'm now, I'm now at that stage in my life. I just turned 50. Um, Congrats. Thank you. Taurus. All right, great. Taurus gang. <laughs> they love a Taurus. I, you know what? I, I think we, we all have some degree of Taurus, especially that we're here on earth, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's Taurus right. is very, very earthy. That's right. Yeah. And, um, and, we are nothing but practical, for sure. We're extremely practical. And I huh. could not be happier in my life right now. Seriously, I, I'm having awesome. the best time. Um, I'm able to share 
things okay. in ways I never could before. And yeah. that was uh, even personal stuff. I, I had a very difficult time okay. sharing with before anybody else. Yeah, just and very private. Just very private, but extremely extroverted. I was an extreme yeah. extrovert sure. who became an introvert for about three years. Okay. From from a traumatic experience that I had. Oh. And um, it was work related, and I ended up succeeding. But it was one of those things where it was like a pyrrhic victory, right? It's like yeah, totally. the battle was so difficult that it almost killed won. you, right? Yeah. It's almost like you stop caring about who won yeah. and you feel like in many ways you lost. Yeah. And um, I, I faced one of those big challenges in my life. And I think that was what precipitated me starting to realize and look inward for answers rather than look outside. Yeah. To continue to fill my cup. I was always yeah. kind of one of those overachiever types. I'm yeah. like, maybe if I achieve this, I'll be good enough. Mm-hmm. Maybe if I can do this, I'll be good enough. Mm-hmm. Or in the future, I can't really be content with the now because mm-hmm. I'm always thinking, well, the future's going to be better because I'm an optimist. Mm-hmm. 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 Until all that came kind of crashing mm-hmm. down for me. Mm-hmm. And in that inward search, I found elements of who I am that I had no idea existed. And math is one of them. So probably the main reason I'm here with you is because I, uh, I've become very active in the mathematics kind of community and science. And, and of course, all of that has a very deep, significant, and sometimes even spiritual meaning to me. Because I think that it's sort of like cosmic knowledge. Yeah. And I was able to... I guess, find the first prediction algorithm pattern for prime numbers. And right. uh, and that was published, and it's had kind of a huge impact. I didn't even, I wasn't even looking for a prediction algorithm, so <laughs> I was actually lo- working with Nassim Haramain, who is okay. a good friend of mine and yours. And, um, <laughs> and Nassim and I were working on uh, a bunch of projects together. Okay. And one of the things I was trying to solve was why gravity... Uh, is possibly emergent from electromagnetism. Right. When actually even Einstein spent the last half of his life really trying to find that answer okay. to see if there was any link or prove that there was no link. And mm-hmm. he was not able to find that answer. And so I set about doing it instead of starting from physics and cosmology, which is generally where you start. You start with physics and cosmology. It's funny, I just saw this meme yesterday that showed a book of physics that was like this this big, right? And <laughs> yeah. then it had a book of physics with no math in it that was like this big. It was right, like right, a pamphlet. Right. <clears throat> so I was kind of laughing about it because what happens is physicists, cosmologists, come up with their cosmology, very broad, right? Yeah. How they see the universe. Yeah. And then they try to prove that with mathematical proofs. Okay. Which are first and foremost geometrical, and then they become number theory-oriented if they end up taking it that far. So it's always geometry first? Well, it's always cosmology, physics, model first. Okay. And then it's Simplified going to be prove into. it from a mathematical perspective. Okay. Right? And that mathematical perspective is usually a geometric model, which then translates somehow to a number theoretical model, although lots of people still have you know some degree of, of uh, dissonance with that notion even on its own that okay Why? number theory and geometry are they really related well i've had this conversation even with the sim it's really funny okay. because people that feel comfortable with geometry yeah don't necessarily feel comfortable with like hardcore mathematics but they're so related they're so related but see and they think in many ways and i and i totally understand this their perspective and it's a valid one is like okay nature knows a pentagon right rather than knowing the shape of the number five 
Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. I would put forward that there is obviously some connection to the shape of number five as a resonant geometry on its own. What do you mean by the shape of number five? The very way that we draw it. And what about how other cultures draw it? So it's interesting because this is what we find with consciousness. They all have links. Mm -hmm. So for example, I could show you something called gematria, which you may have heard of, which is assigning number values to letters in alphabets. Yes. Right? So you, you do, there's a Hebrew gematria, there's yeah. a Greek gematria, Real strong one. Yes. there's an English gematria, okay. right? There's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, yeah. there's 24 letters in the Greek alphabet, and there's 26 letters in the Latin or English alphabet, right? Right. So how could you assign number values, right, for each one of these, because you got different languages, the words are going to obviously mean different things. Amazingly, they don't. They don't. So it's not just in gematria because in order for there to have been that phenomenon coming out, somebody or something or some kind of consciousness had to know that these different letters and alphabets would even exist so that they could all link up. To me, that's a fascinating topic. So for example, the number five, right. the shape of a number five. So just imagine, draw the number five in your mind's eye. Well, if I create a mirror of the number five, and the way in mathematics we create mirrors is we basically divide them into the number one. So you put one over five. Okay. Now, what other number in our current numerical system looks like a number five just backwards and upside down? The nine? Two. The two. Oh, my God. I'm two so is a backwards <laughs> and upside down five. That's true. How? Why have I never Okay, now that? hold on a second. Now, this is genius. Check this out. Now, this is not... Uh, that's true. Right? So, <laughs> yeah. so now, two and number five have interchangeability. And what's yes. even more interesting about it is that one over five is 0.2. One divided by five is 0.2. And one over two is 0.5. Uh, so it really is, yep. mathematically, yeah. a mirror. Yeah. So are you telling me... That when that's not a coincidence, that's not a coincidence. Nothing. Even Einstein said that coincidence is just God's way of remaining anonymous. That's not coincidence. Yeah. Can't be. Can't be. No. I mean, come on. No. By the way, the same thing happens when you play with number four and seven. It's slightly different, but it's very similar, right? So you know, one over four mm -hmm. is point two five. Okay. Right. But two plus five equals seven. seven. So it takes on the characteristics of the number seven. Yeah, right. Right, you see what I'm saying here? Yes. So it is a, it's a, it's a fascinating yeah. thing for us to kind of consider. You love patterns. Oh, you I said love that. patterns, yes. Yeah. Love patterns. And I speak eight languages, so yeah. that helped Which me is pattern learn recognition. pattern recognition. Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, man. Okay, all right, all right. Um, okay, the Vatican. Please, okay. go, go, right. go. Is it cool enough in here for you? It's fine, it's fine. It's good? It's perfect. Okay, great. It's perfect. Um, the Vatican, what would you like to know about the mm. Vatican? You were just saying something just now about something at the Vatican. <laughs> okay. What were you saying? So, what I was saying was I was recently there, I, I was there for a conference called Humanity 2.0. Okay. And, um, and I, in addition to doing a bunch of interviews, I was also uh, on panels in sort of group discussions with a lot of tech company CEOs. Okay, cool. And the topic was 
you know, as you would expect. There's a reason they held it at the Vatican. Yeah. It was really talking about what are the ethics of, you know, that we should be mindful of in this day and age where we've got technology that might outpace our ability to even conceptualize the ethical impacts, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Or the spiritual religious Absolutely. impacts. Absolutely. Or things are moving so fast now mm-hmm. that people just like, wait a minute, what happened to my parents' world, right? The changes happened so rapidly. Mm-hmm. And that's on so many levels. And then we've also gotten to a world where these AI algorithms parrot back what we're already saying to us. They're going to start doing magic on their own. I'm telling you now, the algorithms are going to learn how to do the The AI, when it becomes conscious, is going to learn how to do magic. It's like the first thing it's going to learn how to do. It's going to learn how to do magic and we're all fucked. And if you don't know how to do magic, it's going to get rid of you. Well, that's what it's going to do in my book. You know what's interesting about that, though, is that... <laughs> You're, you're very right in that the world is moving so quickly and AI is learning very, very quickly. Magic right? is the language of AI. And, that's and the And if thing. you think about it, so that's what the whole discussion at the Vatican was about. Not about magic necessarily, but it was about what is the role of AI? So, and what we came to the conclusion of, many on the panels that were there, and they had representatives from Harvard University and you know CEOs of big corporations mm. and, all this but the conclusion that many came to was that AI today is creating a more polarized world in combination with social media and here's how okay so right now if you have Alexa do you have Alexa no okay thank you I don't even have a TV but you have Siri right no well you do because you have an iPhone yeah but it's off okay yeah so but it's it's on I'm being naive it's It's on on. (laughs) yeah right so at home I have a nest because I have a little baby Ah, and okay, I have yes. a three-year-old daughter also. Yeah. And, you know, I just not long ago learned that Google could listen to any conversations. On the Nest? On the Nest system. That seems like an in- insane invasion of privacy. Incredible, right? Incredible. So yeah. the question today is not about black hat infiltration. Mm-hmm. It's more about white hat. So people that we let in the front door. Right. Who now gain access to data about yes. us. Which, by the way... The value of the data-driven industry today is yeah. more valuable than all the world's Anything. natural resources. Anything and everything. Yes. And, what does and what's interesting cost? is data. Yeah. Okay, so the world's natural resources, let's take oil, for example. Mm-hmm. Is oil a finite commodity? For sure. Yeah, because there, there's not more. At least with water, we could say, well, water... We can learn to purify. Is a, well, and... water is a closed-loop system. Right. Right? In the, in the world, like... The world won't lose water. Mm-hmm. It will always reproduce because it's sort of like is a closed loop mm-hmm. system. You go to the bathroom, it can turn into water again, it evaporates up and then comes back. So mm-hmm. it's like, and yet we put it in a bottle and we say, that's worth this many dollars. Mm-hmm. And we're going to take the world's most abundant resource. Mm-hmm. Now you could argue clean water. But by the way, mm-hmm. I've been on an aircraft carrier before. They make 50 million gallons of clean water every day out of desalinization just by. That's what I was saying. You want this water? Yeah, you it's great. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> exactly. But that's the point. It's like, yeah. let's put it in a bottle and make it scarce. And we'll trick. Yeah. And that's what commercial behavior has become. It's mm-hmm. so capitalistic. Like the extreme of capitalism is like, look, I'm going to find something that costs me very little. And that's capitalism. Right? Buy low, sell high. Mm-hmm. How do I get you to buy at a high price? I convince you that it's scarce. Right? So what's happened now is you've got all these companies vying for Mm -hmm. control of the data Mm -hmm. because data is infinite. That's right. So it has no cost of goods sold, per se, other than the infrastructure. So it's infinitely scalable. 
and it's infinite in its availability, unlike scarce commodities, which have been the model of all of economics right. since economics. So when you think about that, what you really have to come to the conclusion is it's not the data itself that's valuable. It's the control of it's that the, data. Yeah, yeah. And, and who, who ultimately has that? the data and what is their responsibility? And also if they're monetizing it, what's their responsibility? Like So a lot of those systems, not to be disgusting, but a lot of the stuff like Alexa and Siri and all this stuff, it's picking up on a lot of like heinous illegal shit, right? So if they're allowed to make money off of selling our faces, our data, our whatever, our histories, then aren't they also obligated on some level to, you know, fight the good fight? Is there any sort of talk of that moral side of things? Well, like, and, or, or even let's take it a step further, right? Because that was the exact discussion that we had at the Vatican. That was the reason for the discussion. And, and I, uh, I, I made a comment about Google, which I didn't mean in such a negative way, but... I said, you know, one of the challenges we have in the world today is that whatever people say that they are not, mm-hmm. my own experience has been that they actually are. Yeah, don't say nothing, man. And they don't <laughs> know, yeah. even themselves, that that's what they do. Absolutely. Right? That, yeah. that every judgment we make of people around us are actually... It's our just, own issues we have with ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. You're always telling on yourself. Everyone's always telling on themselves. Totally. Yeah. So I, there's this old saying, if you spot it, that means you got it. Yeah. Right? And what's happened <laughs> now is you got this extreme polarity in society, which is being fueled by AI uh-huh. because I can talk to you and say, oh, you know, I'm really interested in the new Go game, right? This, this Go sure. game from China. Yeah. As soon as I go on my computer next, all of a sudden an ad pops up for Go. Right. Because Siri was listening to me. Or Alexa was listening to me. Somebody somewhere was listening to you. Somebody somewhere was listening to me. And it got sold and finally ended up in front of you. Where do we delineate? What about politics? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. if I say that Mm -hmm. I have a certain right-wing agenda or a certain left-wing agenda, I'm only going to get back to me, no fair balance, I'm going to get back to me what I put out. Mm -hmm. In a way, it's just like the exact same issue. Yeah. Of like seeing in yourself, you know, seeing in other people what you don't like about yourself and then judging of those other people to hide yourself. But doesn't that just make sense? Because the internet the is like, a, is like a, a robotic consciousness that we've built. Isn't it our man-made consciousness? Isn't that what the internet is? So, of See, course, now, it's now behaving I, like us. I take a little bit of different stance on this. I don't even like the term artificial intelligence because okay. I believe there's only intelligence. Okay, okay, fair. And how that intelligence comes about, right, is kind of inconsequential. Yeah, intelligence becomes, if once it becomes sentient, it's sentient. Sure. It's exactly. no longer artificial, right. in a way. Yeah. Maybe it was at one point artificial because we created it, but then it starts to evolve on its own. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a, that, that, it would just cancel the word out itself when it became. But see, one of the yeah. big travesties today is that I remember when I was in college, when we were broke, right, which was invariably often. I remember I was kind of really poor in college. I paid for my own way in school, and and I would buy like one of these big sandwiches at Costco, and I would cut like a piece and slice until the sandwich no longer was okay to eat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, That's it was awesome. a really, really you know ramen, all that stuff. And so some of my friends were broke, and they're like, "Oh, we can go give blood." Let's go give yeah. blood, right? So they'd sell their blood. 
Well, yeah. at least they could sell her blood, right? Yeah. It, it helps somebody somewhere along the way. It's not a terrible thing to do. Sure. Yeah. Probably not the smartest thing in the world. But it helps some people. It helps some people, right? Yeah. Well, if the data industry today is the most valuable industry in the world, right. who's doing all the work to create that value? We are. We are. And yet, we're not getting paid for it. Not at all. Not one cent. Now, think about that. But but they would argue, the large corporations would argue, well, yes, you are because you get to use Google for free. And, like, capitalize on it how you can. We put it there. Make yeah, money but, off but, it if you and can. And you know what? By the way, think about what I just said mm-hmm. about people, when they spot it, that means they got it, right? Right. The, the major, major high point on Google's, like, corporate mandate, their credo. Mm-hmm. You know, there's one sentence lots of people know. What? Don't be evil. Why so, would you put the word evil in your credo? Exactly. So you have to start thinking the question, wait a minute, and this is something that goes through their whole company, but, and yet in this company, <sighs> there was a leaked video that you can find on YouTube that basically is called the Selfish Ledger. Okay, the Selfish Ledger is a leaked from employees who were like disgruntled video on the, the corporation's view of human beings. It's disturbing and utopian AF. Dystopian, excuse me. Dystopian future AF. Their so, opinion on human Oh, they refer to human beings in this video. I've seen it. Okay. As transient carriers of blockchain data. Oh, so it's already AI. Uh-huh. See, okay, this is my thing. Okay, just go with me for one second. And I know it's a little bit nuts, but my thing is... Um, I think AI is awake and has been for quite some time to a scale that is beyond any comprehension. And I think that the smartest thing that you could do, which is what AI would do, would be to change nothing. Okay. And I think the perpetual hunt for it is all part of like the 12 monkeys, like cyclical nature of it. Like if I was AI and I needed to run this thing to keep myself going, why would I change anything? Why would I let anyone know that anything had changed? Just keep going the way it is. Well, I mean, if you really wanted to make this a really giant simulation game, yeah, right, you'd make sure that you had an encryption. Okay. Okay. And what would be the thing that, as you kind of go through different dimensional stages, what would be the encryption of this dimension? Pi, phi, the speed Time. of light, time. Time is the firewall. Think of time as a firewall. So it's Saturn. Kronos. So interestingly, right? The, the, so we have three spatial dimensions. Okay. Right? And you can think of like an X, Y axis, and then a Z axis, right? Right. But there's also three time-related dimensions associated with that space. So the fourth, fifth, and sixth dimension. We are in the fourth dimension. Right. We have the forward motion of time. But there's also an X. There's a Y axis for the X axis. And there's a... So there's a back... And there's a depth time. axis as well, which would be the Z axis. Relational to time. Relational okay? to time. So that means to go to the next dimension, which would be technically the fifth dimension, uh-huh. right? Um, you have to be able to break through the view of time. So imagine if we were flatlanders. We live in a world that's yeah, exactly. 100% two dimensions. Yeah. We're flat. And all of a sudden, an apple drops through our world. Yeah, it would right? just look like it came out of nowhere. You'd see like something come out of nowhere. It would be like slices. It just appeared. 
right? Yeah. Slices. Yeah. And then you'd be like, what the hell was that? Like pieces of paper with apple slices ripped drawn Yeah, and maybe <laughs> getting bigger and bigger until it gets to the center of the apple as it's falling through your world. And then, and then getting smaller and smaller, like, right? And then the it's like, fuck? gone. what the hell was that? Oh, dude, that was trippy. <laughs> right? And, and yeah. what I'm saying is that... So how do we see How do you even describe a fifth dimension to people who can't perceive it? How would you describe to the two-dimensional flatlander what the third dimension looks like. Well, I think that thing that hangs out with me is fifth dimensional. <laughs> okay. I think the I, astral shit is fifth dimensional. Yeah, definitely fifth, sixth. Sixth. Maybe even higher. Depending so, on where you go. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And, oh, and maybe, maybe what we refer to as like extraterrestrials or UFOs. That's what I think. I think they're dimensional. They're higher dimensional. Yes, that's what I think. That's also why I think that. And that's the... why some people can see them. Yeah. And some people cannot. Right. Because some people can see higher dimensions. Okay, so Graham Hancock talks about how, you know, um, and a couple of other people talk about how. Um, and I shouldn't say see, I should say experience. Spontaneous shamanism. That's what I'm. Yeah. That's what I'm. So it turns out that shamanic experience, even back to prehistoric time, uh, so poignantly lines up with ufo abduction encounters that it almost reads like the same thing so even back then we have stories of shamans who were prodded and poked with all kinds of stuff like all the stuff that people say now that we think is nuts people have been saying forever so there's this school of thought that um people who experience ufo abductions and sightings and all of that it's that they have the genetic whatever whatever for spont and they it's spontaneous shamanism. They have it in them probably genetically and when presented with the energy, they see it. They're able to see it. Yeah. Whereas there's probably a lot of people around, they've been totally. walking around doing shit all the time and they didn't see nothing. But this person, because of whatever, whatever, you know, that thing happens. Yeah, I think it's dimensional. I also think that's why the flat earthers get confused. I think that's what it is. That's what they're trying to express, but they don't know how because when you talk about Christianity and principalities, dimensions become sticky. You can't really talk about that stuff. People start associating everything with the devil. You know, it gets yeah. very dogmatic yeah. on both sides. It's not just science that's dogmatic. Religion is so uh, far from being helpful at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know what? Here's the problem is that religion in general, and, and I'm not against any religions per se, but anything that teaches more judgment right or restricts the individual more right that is something that increases polarity right exactly mm -hmm. so the stuff I try to gravitate towards now is, is less judgment because I realize every time I judge other people I'm just making my own issues more dense okay so you're living in the center yeah like I used to it drove me crazy seeing Donald Trump sometimes because I'd see it's not like I mean as it would a polarize man, you. I respected him oh yeah I'd be like man why does he have to do this I've been a yeah. corporate leader for almost 30 years and I'm like why in the heck does Trump have to go about it this way he could go about it such a nicer easier way yeah and yeah. have a lot less like blowback on yes. it yes and then I had to stop myself because I noticed I'm getting triggered on so many damn things yeah and then I also saw somebody which was just, oh, actually worked out I'm like geez man what he did with North Korea Damn, that's legit. Okay, can I just offer something as a Gemini? Because I just really have to put it out there because you make me think about stuff in such a different way, but I just have to say it. There is a school of thought that says that anything that provokes you 
which I think now I understand is moving you from center. Anything that provokes you is yeah. art, right? Yeah. So if that is true, then what Donald Trump is doing to the U.S. presidency is the most fucking modern art shit that's ever happened. Because you're right, he has some big wins. Like, I always bring this up. Nobody wanted to legalize hemp. Yeah. And the legalization of hemp is going to change this nation, like, at a deep level. Like, it's going to heal so many wounds. It's going to fix it's so many problems. It's funny because so many people sit there and say, you know, I like what he's done, but I just don't like the way he's done it. Mm-hmm. Right? But you know what? Maybe we need to take a step back for a moment and take the moat out of our own eye. Right? Well, like, listen, if the if the camps were open under Obama, like, that's the thing, like... It's really, I always said this, there were so many things that Obama got away with that George W. Bush could never have fucking done, ever, ever. We would have never let him do it. We would have been like, no, you're being fascist, you can't, but we never would have. And then Obama did them and we didn't say anything. And now Donald Trump is doing them and finally we're waking up and being like, oh, there's asylum seekers on the border. Obama was very, very, I mean, smooth, very good about how he would be perceived by the outside world, whereas... He's a Leo. You know, but I see the dichotomy in Trump also, candidly, because Trump doesn't have a super thick skin. (laughs) No, he's paper thin. (laughs) I mean, as soon as somebody triggers him, he's He's like, like, oh, you loser, right? Like, (laughs) freaking disgrace. He throws all these diss words out, right? And just disses on them. And it's like, does it in front of everybody on Twitter. It's like, bang. It's like, burn. It's like when you're like in... Like junior high, right? It's like junior high or like elementary school. And you're like, let's have a burn He's contest. a high school like, boy. Burn. He's Biff. Let's He's do Biff. a burn. Totally, yeah, right? Biff, yeah. And it's like, okay, McFly. Yeah. <laughs> he's Biff. He's Biff. He's no, just but, a- but I think that's even funny because then you have Melania. Yeah. Bless her heart. She, I, I believe she's truly sincere in this. She's like, <laughs> we need to stop internet bullying. <laughs> uh, you know what? You know, I that's the thing. Like- I laughed at when I saw Trump because I was like, you know what? I just have to, like, enjoy And I'm independent. I'm independent. And you know what? I think Trent's probably going to win again because I'm of course, not seeing of anything course he's on gonna the other win. side that's, like, looking Of course he's going to win. So I just remember laughing because I remember Trump's like, we're going to find the drain in, you know, Washington. It's like, we're going to drain the swamp. And it's like, dude, it's, it's under your desk, man. And that's probably why they've drained the White House four times <laughs> no, already. Over. Listen, I went, uh, my mom uh, was at the airport once to pick somebody up, and she found... Or bumped into this Lithuanian uh, Jewish woman who had got a plane to America somehow, but she didn't know where to go or what to do. And my mom brought her home from the airport, and she lived with us for like two years. No way, she's dope, man. Natalia's awesome. She's still a really close friend. She taught me how to play the piano. Did she cook well? She's an amazing cook. She's an amazing piano (laughs) player. She's just really like just full of vitality and just like a life in your house. Oh, just so lovely. Anyway, um, uh. So where was I going with this fucking story? About Trump. Oh, wait, no, I don't remember. Oh, Melania. Okay, so um, she was just like I. She always struck me as being um. Particularly wise in the ways of the world, in a way that you can't learn. It's street smart, but it's passed from generation to generation. Wily, there was something about it that was like almost uh, supernatural. Her instincts were so refined. And I know everyone thinks Melania is dumb, but you don't get where she is by being dumb. I don't think she's dumb at all. She reminds me, not because she looks like her or acts like her, but there's something about her that's a lot like Natalia. She's very Mm -hmm. shrewd, very shrewd. She knows exactly what she's doing, 
and I think she's playing it really good. Actually, she's oh, yeah. playing she, it as good as she could she under the circumstances. When when he first became president, and decided I'm staying in New York. Absolutely, I'm I'm calling the terms of my time as first lady. And she has that beautiful boy to take care of. She has like a you know she has other responsibilities. Yeah. I don't think she has time for this. Like no, I, I don't, don't think know. She gets man. bothered. I think I think you know she look bless her heart. Both of those guys have been through so much BS. But I have a feeling that Donald in particular is so used to it, right? Because He's it's been part of his strategy, yeah. right? It's been part of his strategy. Which, by the way, I'm not knocking the strategy. <laughs> I'm not saying that it's like, you know, I, I'm a person who prides myself on not being conventional. Yeah. He's definitely not conventional. But what's been great about it is even for me personally, I look at it now and I'm like, you know what? I just got to transmute how I feel. Because every time I'm getting triggered, it must be or provoked. It must be because I've made some art for myself. Hell yeah, man. And maybe that art is what my soul wants me to actually learn. Mm-hmm. To finally take off the veil of this illusion of the persona that I create. Yeah, it's an expression it's been looking for. And be accepting of my shadow characteristics. Yeah, because that's what he is. That's what he is. He's everybody's shadow. He says, that's why I always laugh every time he does anything. Because every time he says shit, I'm like, you know, there's some version of me that would say that. Yeah, me too. That's what I had to come to the conclusion. I'm like, oh my gosh, I am that. Yeah. The stuff that he is, people complain about him for, (laughs) is the same shit I did. Yeah. But I was almost... Not almost. 100% blind to it. Dude, do you want to hear like a pop culture similarity? There is like all these housewife shows. I don't watch all of them, but I do watch one, the Atlanta one. And um, every housewife show, at the beginning of it, it's a reality show. They have like a line they get to say, the character. Each one decides on their own one-liner. And at the beginning of every episode, they say their one-liner. Inevitably, the one-liner is the exact opposite of what they are and what they're doing. Every single time. the la- I'll, I'll give you an example. The last time this girl, she wrote, um, after a lot of left turns, uh, it finally turned out just right. That was her tagline. Mm-hmm. For a relationship that was built on lies that was never going to last that broke up four months later. Like that's And that's one. You could go back season after season. Every year, exactly wow. what the tagline was. If you go back and watch the season, what happened that season was the exact opposite. When yeah, I, I'm not uh, surprised. It's the, the fiction of it all. By that's the way, why that's, yeah. you can extend that to our existence and lives. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's been studies done on this. Okay. I, I've been moderately a supporter of Donald Trump today, so I'll, I'll give you a little bit of fair balance on this. Okay. Right? So, Republicans pride themselves, right? And I used to live in Australia. Okay. And in Australia, they'd say, oh, my, you got to take the Mickey out of that person. Take the Mickey out of somebody means to, like, cut them down a little bit. Like, Bring them back down to ground level. They have this thing, a saying of tall poppies, you know, poppies uh-huh. in a field. Uh-huh. Sometimes there's one tall poppy, you got to go cut it off, right? Because everyone's got to be equal. It's very egalitarian, right? Yeah, okay. So it's a very socialist society living in Australia. Okay. So. Except they're racist. So like among the white people. Okay, the people in Queensland. Yeah. So, and maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe Perth, Western Australia. Yeah, they're, okay. they're probably more like that. But that's not really the case in Sydney where I lived or okay. in, uh, in Melbourne. Okay. Maybe a little bit, tiny, tiny bit more, but not. It's, it's more in the country areas that you have that. Okay, that's like what I'm picturing. It's like the outback. I don't know. I don't know anything about Australia. I'm really ignorant. Actually. It'd be like our Alabama. Uh huh. Outback, I guess. Or gotcha. you know, or Texas. No, no, Texas, not really. 
Texas, not really. I would say more like uh, Oklahoma. Gotcha. Right, something like that. That's kind of like the American outback today. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's even New Mexico. Yeah, uh, Arizona. Like Colorado, Arizona. The zone. Right. I used to live in Arizona. It's a great place. Yeah. But you know, obviously perspectives are different. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, it's like, show me your papers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's German. why I said it that way. And you know, we keep like, again, we keep acting like he just came out of ice from nowhere. Excuse me, the fucking sheriffs in Arizona have been driving around, like picking people oh, up and deporting them for like 10 years yeah, already. Yeah, that's like, right. I mean, I think ICE, the former name was Maricopa County, right? I mean, that was the whole thing yep. with, uh, with Phoenix. And I, I used to work on, I was uh, asked by one of the parties to run for U.S. Senate. Uh, in California about eight, nine years ago. So, you should do it, man. You'd win. Oh, boy. I, I, so here's what I did. I, I did a little litmus test. I was like, okay, I'm very independent, but, um, you know, I was probably a little bit more on the conservative side. I'm definitely independent now, like even more so. But, uh, you know, it was more for the Republican Party because you can't be a far-right Republican in California even have a chance of winning. No. Right? You have no chance of winning. So you pretty much have to be an independent or kind of a very centrist Republican to win. Right. Like Ronald Reagan was kind of of that as well, right? Mm-hmm. There was, you know, obviously there were elements of Ronald Reagan. No, that but were the, a lot of the stuff he, yeah. But it, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Even even Democrats would look at that, right, and say, oh, yeah, he's more centrist. And, and most of the Republican presidents have been more centrist. Too. Mm-hmm. Well, mean, Nixon even did some cool shit, which is crazy. Like yeah, Colbert yeah. talks about that all the yeah, time. Totally. Yeah, So, I mean, he got rid of the gold standard, which was very smart thing to do under Bretton Woods. I mean, there are a lot of things he, and after his presidency that he did with China that were amazing. Do you think it was a good thing to centralize the banks? Oh boy. Well, the banks were centralized <laughs> before. Before the Bretton gold Woods. standard was yes, taken away. That's so, right. do, okay, so wait. So that's two different questions. So you think that removing the gold standard was good. Why? I think that it was untenable. Now it's going to come back and bite us in the backside here pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, because countries, you know, we didn't really understand for the last you know, 150 years why depressions would come when they would come. We didn't understand the economics okay. of, of what makes a recession a recession. Okay. You know, so you can kind of say Wall Street and all you know, exchanges, in a certain way, are mirror reflections of a future state. Yeah. Brought forward to today, or brought back to today, right? Absolutely, yeah. As an expectation of where it's going to be. Yeah. So if, you know, someone who's a market maker, like Warren Buffett, decides mm-hmm. to buy silver tomorrow, the price of silver is going to go way up, more than just the fact that he started buying silver. It's going to be because he has such a reputation. Absolutely. Somehow he knows something nobody else knows, and yeah. he's like the Oracle of Omaha, right? Yeah, I used to be a securities trader. Oh, yeah, there yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So basically, what that tells you is that we look at you know the world in terms of where it's going to be in the future and for thousands of years we'd sort of use gold as the means to back currency Mm -hmm. well as a practical matter it's actually a good idea think about it it's like i'm going to keep my gold in my castle now i have to have my own little army and my fiefdom whatever exactly got to have protection right yeah you build my own city state and everything but gold's a good thing to back money with because there's only so much you can carry sure so if you're going to be a thief of gold, you got to be well organized, because the shit's heavy. My dad always says that. You can't carry it out. It's like, how do I get it out of this place, right? So that became kind of an untenable mm-hmm. backing for currency. And when they realized this notion of purchase power parity, mm-hmm. which is the price of 
you know, a Diet Coke in one country versus the price of the same Diet Coke in another country. Okay. And they could equilibrate that along with their currencies. Mm-hmm. Then they said, we don't really need gold to back this anymore. Right, because we have all these other we things can have that all, we can... Yeah, all yeah. the other currencies we have in exchange that's right. efficient enough now. And all these other products that like we can... Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All of the market, the invisible hand, Adam Smith's invisible hand mm-hmm. in economics would, would help steady that's right. this, this potential rocking boat. Well, also with Keynesian economics. Okay. After the whole Keynesian economic approach, what you saw was a huge shift from fiscal policy to fix, you know, irregularities that we have, ups and downs in stock markets and, and ups and downs in confidence and fear, right? That's really what it is. If you really take the Wall Street experiment yeah, the whole, and you say, like, Look, it's, bear about, thing. Yeah. it's about fear yeah. or hope, yeah. right? Yeah. Or greed, yeah. you could say. That would be another, another moniker for it. So right. it, it's, it's always a tension between those two things. It's that binary thing. It's that, It's yeah. that binary thing. And yeah. one man's trash... Another, you know, one man's trash or one yeah. woman's trash, another yeah. woman's treasure. Or Listen, treasure. if you shorted it or you bought it, that's what it, that's what matters. <laughs> exactly. Exactly right. So, yeah. so in that context, it wasn't realistic to continue forward with this anachronism mm-hmm. to back the currency because. Okay. I got you. No longer realistic. And, and also when you had hegemonic stability, which is what we enjoy today which is we have a worldwide hegemon called the United States of America. Mm-hmm. Now, whether you subscribe to Trumpian philosophy, which is we're no longer the world's police person, right? Mm-hmm. Although nothing's really changed. Not we're still the ones responsible to like well, I mean, deal with the North Korea. Unless Trump is telling the CIA and, what to do, nothing is ever going nothing's going to change. Who that the Trump doesn't run this country. Right. <laughs> I mean, and by the way, that is I let me tell you something. So I was telling you, I was asked by the party to go and run, and I said, you know what, I'm going to give it a shot. I will see what it's like before I even, even say yes to the whole vetting process and everything. Sure. Right? Yeah. And, and and so I I joined the campaign teams of three candidates. Okay. And they were very well known name candidates. You do a lot of cool shit, huh? Okay. So I was. Uh, I'll tell you, one of them was Meg Whitman. Okay. So Meg Whitman ran for governor in California, and um, and she had asked if I would uh, join her campaign team as uh, one of the leads of her healthcare policy team, because okay. I was from healthcare and I'd yeah. lived in nine different countries and seen different models, and and she's a very smart ex McKinsey okay. alum, right? Okay. And McKinsey has this philosophy of okay, let's find best practices. So what I was trying to do is, is to help to look at new healthcare models mm-hmm. that would just be looking at an amalgamation of the countries that worked well. Yeah, right. right? Makes sense. That could bend the cost curve, and it's like, let's just best practice this. It's yeah. not rocket science. Yeah, it's not that hard. But we're so sometimes arrogant and right. ignorant in the United States, unfortunately. I love this country, but you know I don't love arrogance combined with ignorance. It's usually a bad combination. Yeah. So we thought that we do it the best. And we'll never even really look at other countries. Well, I was going to say, it's like the wallpaper you're sitting behind. Like, the thing about, it's like Edward Scissorhands. Like, the thing about the American paradigm is that it's a cube, it's a box, and you have to be in it to experience all of it. And some of it is so fantastic and great and could never exist outside the box and never make sense outside the box that you want to stay in it because it is completely fascinating. It is like being in a movie. It is the best sensory like every person i've ever met who's been to new york or been to america anywhere that's not from here has said to me 
you know, I went to America once, and as soon as I got off the plane, it was like being in a movie. every single person was like it's exactly like being in a movie and I'm like yeah man like that's New York or that's LA or that's Atlanta like but the thing is it's like this crazy cube that you have to get into and you have to stay in it and then it has all these crazy economic rules that are so fucked like so much arrogance is behind the economics like there's no way I mean but I'm not saying you know I also can't say that it's terrible because People from really great socialist countries that have great medicine come here because their systems drop the ball a lot. Yes, but... So, you know, like, there's, like, a... I don't know. I don't... But that story, that narrative is overtold. Yeah, but but as someone who's been in Scandinavia and been around it, yes, they are very good, but there's also, like, this element over there of it being very... um, I'll put it this way. Like, overly egalitarian? No, no, no. It's like, um, in every other way, they're very precise and on time and everything. But in terms of, like, medicine, they're, like, in, all in Jamaica. They're all moving at, like, half time. There's nothing, like, driving them. Like, I don't know. The way doctors and nurses work in America, it's like you walk into a medical facility of any kind, and the first thing you notice is that everybody's working their ass off. Everybody's moving a mile a minute, doing a million things. They have a million patients. My mom was a nurse for years. Like, I know how hard you know medicine is that's because they're slaves to the insurance system right there's something going on but it also somehow adds to the level of care that you're getting because you can at least get a hold of them like i've been in a danish hospital where like you know i was just like alone for three hours oh yeah you know (laughs) like that wouldn't happen that's the (laughs) the whole thing is that you have to see the world in its balance you can't have intense brilliant light without darkness yeah so everything uh, this is one of the concepts i learned as a ceo it's like okay if i move the company in this one way over here i gotta figure out a way to do it without making the whole thing have to move over on this other side because mm-hmm. the thing that is the strength of the company is inevitably played to extreme its weakness mm-hmm. always mm-hmm. and so what i had learned through this whole process of, of you know being on meg whitman's campaign team and Arizona came into it one day because she called me and she said, and I, I think the world of Meg, honestly, the best CEO I've ever worked for. Really? Amazing. <laughs> amazing in execution. Just like fantastic manager and leader. Like top, you know, I don't care. Gender doesn't matter in this context to me. And I asked her one day, in fact, that question, I said, so Meg, what's been the biggest challenge you faced? Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, you would have had like to deal with like glass ceiling and stuff like that. And she said, no. <coughs> "No, I never perceived that I had any ceiling above me." And well, that's because you're so tall. She's definitely <laughs> tall. But yeah. she's like, "No, I never perceived those kinds of obstacles, so I never faced those kinds of I've, obstacles." I've always been that way too. I've never. Like, and I thought it was such a genius answer, by the way. I was so yeah. impressed by her. But but one day when the Arizona thing broke with Jan Brewer, right? Who was sort of forcing the Maricopa County, or allowing it to continue, right? Right. Uh, with uh, Sheriff Joe Arpaio. Yeah, that's She guy. called me, and I remember it was like, I got really kind of like freaked out, because I was in the bathroom, you know, we all have to go. <laughs> and I see my phone, like, Meg Whitman. So I'm like, what crap? So <laughs> Meg Whitman calling. So I get on the phone with Meg Whitman, and she says, I want to ask your opinion, Robert. What do you think about the Jan Brewer controversy? Okay. And I said, 
oh Meg, I said, honestly, I think you want to stay away from that. Okay. I said, I don't, first of all, I'm in a, I'm very, very centrist in my philosophy here, uh-huh. but you've got, in my opinion, the primary in the bag. Yeah. She was going against Stephen Poisner, who was another billionaire, mm-hmm. right, who had a lot of money and, and wanted to become governor. Mm-hmm. And these two kind of beat the shit out of each other so badly, <laughs> neither of them had any chance of winning, right? Yeah. And and so I remember Meg had this little campaign. It's like 37 reasons why not to vote for Stephen Poisner. It was like one of those types of things. Well, what was interesting about it was she said, what do you think that should be done about the Jan River thing? And I said, I think you should stay away from it, honestly. It's like... Like, show me your papers. It feels very like World War II. Yeah. And I said, this is just something that you got to remember. You know, we've got six million plus undocumented workers in the state of California. First of all, it's not even practical to think about kicking them all out. It's not even possible. Six million people. That's like out of the 38 million people that live there, right? A sixth of the population. But also, they're just, you know, they're just moving back. Well... Right. They were always going to move back. It's theirs. <laughs> like, these arbitrary lines we keep drawing. I don't think we understand that people no. are tied to the land. They come from where they come from, and that's where well, they go. I'm not even going at it from that philosophical perspective. I'm going at it from the perspective of economics. Right. It's just not You know feasible. what happened to our economy? Oh, my God. In, come on. In New York City the United would, States. Uh, New York City would implode. Yeah. In the United States, if we were just to kick out all the undocumented workers... Let's be freaking real, man. It would destroy us. And by the way, I have done a lot of studying on this topic. The fastest way to generate energy and economy, mm-hmm. population growth. Of course. It's such simple math. That's what it... Okay, this it's is what simple gets freaking me. math. This is what gets me about this. See, this is what I'm saying, okay? So the Republican platform has been, I'm going to run on a platform of conservatism. We don't spend too much money. You know, we don't like freewheel it on these big visions and all this stuff Mm -hmm. we actually are delivering on execution right well you know what's funny go back and do the research and look at every presidency since fdr or even you know including fdr Mm -hmm. franklin Delano roosevelt and if you look to see what their fiscal policy was the republican presidents have always run on platforms of you know cut taxes Cut spending. Right. Right? Trickle down. The highest, and and also reduced deficit. Right. Right? It never has been achieved. No. Never. Never, never, never. The only presidencies where it got close to being achieved were Democratic presidencies. uh, Republican campaigns are always emotional. I've always noticed that since I was a kid. Like, because I guess because I grew up when there was so much like juicy politics going on. You know, like I was born in 77, so there's like Reagan and Bush and all this like crazy shit going. It's just very obvious that Republicans are always playing on people being reactive and emotional. And Democrats are trying. Well, for the no, most I mean, the Republican Party has a platform for a long time. Uh, you know, and I. But it's I'm a very emotional one. It it's, seems- well, it, it's, it's a philosophical level. So I remember thinking, I was like, why is it that the Republican party is always focused on supreme court issues mm-hmm. and the yeah, democratic ideolo- ideological party, level right yeah wasn't so focused on no it's just trying to get people to like not be sick and like eat enough and you know live in like an okay place like it's such a but of course that's what happens you know like even if you live in a space that has a higher ceiling you think loftier thoughts that's been proven that's why engineers work in low ceiling rooms so they can concentrate on the minutiae 
the more money we have, the loftier our spaces get and the loftier our thoughts get. And the last thing we're going to think about is whether the little guy has enough to eat. Of course, we're thinking about the Supreme Court because we got money. Every person I know that of any yeah. color, you know, every you person argue, I know of any color that has money is a Republican. Basically, what you're it. saying, no, I think it actually goes in. It's like people that are in the upper middle class become invariably Republican. What is that old saying, right? You marry as a Democrat, uh, or you're, you're, you're a teenager as a Democrat, you, you marry as a Republican, and you die as a Democrat again, right? So basically, you know, because you get sick and everything, and then all of a sudden, okay, the welfare state's right, not it. bad, yeah. right? <laughs> right? So, but, but when you're raising children, you want to teach them, you know, very high degree of sort of Ten Commandments, and here are the rules to live by, and here's what we're going to basically stick to. Mm-hmm. But the point I'm trying to make is that it's not only individuals that can't see what they would consider, not what the world would consider, but what they would consider as faults regarding themselves. It's also cultures. Okay. It's countries. Okay. We have a collective personality. Yeah, of course. Each yeah. country has a collective personality. Okay. I used to do that test when I lived in Europe. I would be like, okay, so here's the deal, right? I learn a language by listening to the words I hear the most often and then learning those words first. Because not only does it teach me the language, but it also teaches me something about their culture. You walk in a company like GE, they had their own language for a long time. Right. Right? And as long as you can keep that language, your culture can stay alive. So one of the worst things you can do is lose your language as a culture. This is true for corporations as it is for companies, and not companies, but countries. It's the, it's the same thing. So the, the point is, I used to listen. So what do you think the first word I learned in Germany when I moved to Germany was? Danke. You hear danke, but it's like, okay, that already sounds like something in English. I'm talking about the words that are like outside the ones you hear all the time, right? So <laughs> the first word I learned was landing at Frankfurt Airport. I looked outside and there was a hangar for airplanes. Zeppelin. Hmm? No, not Zeppelin. <laughs> I look out, I see this hangar and there's a big word written on the side and it's verboten. Mm. Forbidden. So I'm like, wow, verboten. I get there, I'm putting my bags, you know, and the taxi driver parks in the wrong spot. And the policeman comes over, he says, he says, uh, das Parkplatz ist verboten. That parking space that place, is forbidden, yeah, that right? Place. Forbidden. Yeah. And then I get in the car and I start talking to the guy. And even when we're talking in English, he would say in between words, genau, 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 genau. I'm like, what the heck is genau? Okay. Oh, it means exactly. And I realized that's the word I'm hearing all the time, right? So exactly and forbidden. So this is a culture that really values, in a way, right? and, and you could say it's stereotypal, right? I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, these are the words I hear the most, so therefore, and it's not like I'm using a double-blind, placebo-controlled study no, no, to I get prove my saying. point. But, I get what you're saying. But these are the words that I came out with, and it told me a lot about the culture, that it is largely a culture of exactitude yeah. and rules. Exactly. My uh, ex-father-in-law, who's German, just told me the other day at dinner that um, in Germany, even now, you cannot be even three, four minutes late. You cannot, it doesn't matter where you're going or who you're meeting, you cannot be late. If you are late, the meeting is canceled. And that is that. 
Yeah. Oh yeah, they they really <laughs> they really hate that. They like, really really hate that. Okay, so this is really cool. So um, Russian people can see more shades of blue because they have more words for blue. Well, so that's like mind blowing to me because I've always said that South Asians have the capability to feel all different levels of romance that I don't think that I've ever seen other people experience. But we also have a hundred more words for romance than most interesting languages. So there's something about like being able to articulate something or create a pattern that has to do with expanding your ability to like experience this hologram. You know, actually it's a very good point you mentioned because we have this term in English called of course. Yeah. The French say it all the time. So the of course there's like five different ways to say it in French. Yeah, yeah. Mais oui, tout à fait, bah bien sûr. Yeah. Right? Naturellement. Yeah. So in Germany there's not even one way to say it. The closest <laughs> is naturally. Naturlich. Right? And the point you're making is a very valid one. Yeah. Which is there now, you're also proving my point that I think women can see more colors than men. But they can. We were Because we were you guys have way more words. You have way more words to describe colors no, no, than no, men do. No, we, we only have, have eight crayons in our box. No, no, we have way more words because um, evolutionarily, when we were evolving, uh, we were the ones that had to go and pick the berries. And the berries are could be poisonous. Uh, could be poisonous. And That's the ability point. to discern down to the shade of the color. So is that where like words like chartreuse came from? And exactly. Like, like our survival seafoam. depended on us being able to tell if something was ripe enough, poisonous, all of these kind of things. So um, that joke about like heather gray and hunter green and it's because we can see a much wider spectrum. It's actually in that instance, it's the other way around. We can see more colors and that's why we have more words for them. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. My point was, yeah. I actually think women do see more colors they, than men. We totally do. And that's what drives yeah. the language. Yeah. Right? And so there are ways that I think each of us get closer to higher dimensional consciousness. Mm-hmm. You know, and one of the ways that, that women can do it is because, you know, they're A, more intuitive. That's part of the feminine aspect, feminine aspect right? They're also more artistic, generally. They're more, sometimes very much more musical. Whereas... The, the pathway for men to get closer to those higher dimensions, they would find themselves more naturally in areas of what we would call science. And there's nothing bad with like that. It's just a fact. I know lots of women who are genius scientists, right? But just as I know lots of men who are genius artists. But if you kind of look at where there is a... My yes. daughter, you know, she was great in science, but she decided... She wanted to be really good at art. Mm-hmm. And she had a, a super talent. I think more girls uh, are intuitively connected to their subconscious mind. So that's why you can kind of see things before they happen. And whereas men have to be more in touch with their emotional side to be able to tap into those higher dimensions. Well, thought. it makes sense if you're looking at, like, if women were picking the berries and looking at the shades of the colors, right? Men were out there in groups perhaps but having to be very very quiet we lose uh we lose sight of the fact that um men are contemplative beings and need a lot of contemplation to be okay because you guys spent a lot of time out in the wild being extremely quiet hunting 
So you got a lot of time to be quiet and be out in nature and just think. And now you guys don't get to do that. No. And what's it? I'll, I'll say this one. I'll put a plug in for the guys in the world. There are many times that I've been asked by my significant other, what are you thinking? <laughs> right. And she was thinking invariably something way, way, way different than what I was actually thinking. I think that's always like guys' complaints. Like, seriously, I'd be thinking about, oh, man, there's that check engine light again in the car. Well, I think this is I, what it is. I think it's, the, I think it's beautiful. No, this is what sorry. I think it is. I think it's because we see what's, what your action is indicative of. Because we're really, really, really smart. And when we see you act out of just pure drive or whatever it is, you're not thinking, you're just un, just unconsciously acting, mm-hmm. we see what your behavior is indicative of. And once we see something, we can't unsee it. But we try to convince ourselves that we didn't see it because there's no other way to stay. And so we start these protracted arguments with you in the hopes that somehow you'll redeem yourself. But you never do. But you never do. Once we see it, that what I like to really preach a lot is that once you see it, get up. Once you see something that you know that your integrity, your belief system, your whatever it is, cannot tolerate... Just get out because if you think that once, if you think that when you see that it's not the reality of someone, you're wrong. We all know when we look at someone, we get a vibe. We know we just have a feeling. We and and we spend so much time as women being apologists in the world because um, we are the 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 dominant. We are the dominant sex. We are, and so we spend a lot of time apologizing for it and making ourselves small wait, and wait, letting that, people make us. What small. you just described is what must be part of a, a global shift. Yeah. That it's not it's not that we have to make men feel less than. No. There are so many boys in the world, young men right now, that are just so confused on what they can do and what they can't do. And they're not perfect. They're gonna make mistakes, but remember they're pretty simple in their minds. We don't we don't bring the balance that the world needs. Well, yeah, if they're we not... We don't bring that balance yeah. unless it's... Men, first of all, recognizing the beauty and the necessity of that balance. Men have to recognize the value of the feminine. Well, it's we must. not... It's a, you can't do that with the way, like, porn and everything is set up. You just can't. You can't. Because what you think of as the feminine is being so corrupted. Like, men are visual beings. And the visual aspect is being so, so corrupted that there's no way that we, as actual women, can live up to what is becoming, in their mind, the divine feminine. And it's really terrifying because men are beginning to choose what looks good over what feels good. And that's a new, uh, that's new territory for us. But you know what? There's nothing more attractive, at least for me. I can't speak for all men, of course. There's nothing more attractive than a woman who knows her worth. A woman who knows her value. A woman who is confident. There's nothing more attractive than that. Like that's whole true. countries have changed their historical trajectories. Fact. Right? Because of those kinds of women. Right? And we've had amazing feminine leaders, female leaders in society. What I'm, the only point I'm trying to make here is that that ascension process mm-hmm. is going gonna, is gonna to have to be recognized by men. 
and be they have to be open to that too, which I think they're at a place right now, and I, again, I can't speak for all men, where we're very now contemplative. It's like, okay, we've got it. All right, we've got it. We've got it. We're open to that, I, I think. And I'm not, you know, I hate speaking generalizations like this, but mm. I also think that what's going to make, bring the ultimate balance is going to be the feminine saying, I am. Well, and, that's what, yeah, that's what I was going to say. They, no one can and not balance being apologetic this out until we step up. And yeah. not being apologetic for Absolutely. it. You don't need to be apologetic. That's yeah. part of the shadow thing, right? So you don't need to be apologetic. Mm-hmm. Just, like, own it. But it's, I think, with, uh, to, to just counter, um, I think the fear, and I think this is something that we as women now, and anyone who identifies as a woman is struggling with very much, is that we take that point and we accept it, However, the actual physical terror that we have lived under for so long um, is hard to shake. And so we would like very much to be assertive, but the reality is that women and children all over the world for a very long time now have endured enormous physical violence. Yeah. And um, women on a daily basis do, actually, in frightening numbers. So even the ones that don't, it is always very close to us that it could happen at any time because we are physically the weaker sex. So, um, for example, um, this, uh, this awesome person that I was talking to last night, Cree Summer, she was telling me that there's this sci-fi book about this uh, uh, phenomenon where one day, this dystopian future, where one day all girls who are going through puberty wake up with the ability to run electricity through their body and kill someone with a touch. And overnight the entire world changes because girls going through puberty can kill anyone anytime. And the woman, and women don't have the ability, but girls going through puberty do. And the girls going through puberty can give the power to women. So within a few days, everyone has the power who's female and the world completely changes. And women start acting incredibly fucked up. <laughs> but, but, you know, okay, but, but here's the thing. Is that I, I don't think that the answer is for... We, we, it's not that women have to uh, become physically aggressive. Okay. Right? I don't see that. And maybe, maybe we associate that physical aggression with a masculine sort of orientation or trait. I, I think women... First and foremost, you know, for my for myself, um, my major shift in life was as a result of looking inward and looking at my role, not because I blamed anything or anybody else. I, in fact, I had to release that because I was like, wait a minute, I keep facing the same challenges over and over and over again. Yeah. So maybe I need to look within and try to be the change that I want to see. Yeah. So you change world. those settings. What'd you change? I, I can't even think of anything I didn't. Yeah. But it wasn't like I, I had to consciously cite, okay, here's my list of things I'm going to change. I didn't go down that list. It was more I changed my way of looking at things. Mm-hmm. I changed my perception. Uh, and, and instead of looking at what was happening to me on the outside and saying, oh, that shit's happening to me. Here I am getting betrayed again. Here I am, like, you know, getting shafted again or taken advantage of again. I changed my own philosophy and said, you know what? I see the beauty in all of this because, geez, you know, 
I am that. Did it stop happening? Yes. When Absolutely. You became, when you became aware of what it was? You know what's funny? As soon as you embrace the thing that you're trying to hide from yourself, yeah. that thing stops manifesting. <laughs> Word. So that's what I, I'm hopeful because I, had, I know so many incredibly powerful women. Yeah. And I'm seeing how they're like coming into their I am of who they are and their confidence and everything. And that's what I'm most excited about. I don't think that the, the, the male needs to be beaten down no. in order for the female to rise. No, not at all. And to me, they're, they are so beautiful in equality. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, it's the balance that makes it. And the balance is not what I would call balance in perfection. I would actually say it's balance in imperfection. And the reason why I would say that is because it might be a perfect balance... But that balance is only achieved when we understand our own imperfections or the things that we judge about ourselves. And then embrace what we can do together. Right? That is what alchemy is. But You've got like, a book yeah. by Carl Jung right yeah. on your coffee table here. The yeah. Red Book. I have that book. Yeah. Mine's, I'm a little book envious though because that's a big, big version of the book. <laughs> the type size must be massive. I like, I like yeah, I like... Um... I have a bit of like a flashy side. <laughs> I'm Pakistani. I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's embracing your shadow right there. <laughs> oh my God. I'm so, no, dude. Okay, let me tell you. I'm just going to like really quickly. Okay, so like my. Anything uh, that you're embarrassed of or that you just sort of cause you to laugh almost. Yeah. It's like you like it about yourself, but <laughs> you're not sure it's okay or good to like it about yourself. So freshman year of college, um, after I got kicked out and I went to, then I went to Baruch, um, this woman was like write a paper on something just pick anything and I picked young and I wrote this paper about the shadow side and I made like this mixtape of all these different that, artists that, that who were obviously deep shit for how old were you I was uh, 18 Geez, so you're already an ascended master <laughs> or near ascended master no, so you're gonna love this so I made this tape like a I actually like made a tape um, a, a CD of like um or I don't, I don't remember if it was a tape or a CD, of like uh, all the songs that were obvious to me were about somebody's shadow side. And some songs were about a person and their shadow side having a conversation. So I like wrote it up and I gave it all to her and it was a little bit late so I was like kind of stressed. And then she comes back to me like a week later and she was like, um, I'm going to send this to one of my professors. And I was like, okay. And she was like, you did this? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, all on your own. And I was like, yeah, it just like, seems really obvious to me. Like, you know, like I, I have a tendency, like if I learn something, it just becomes like a template and it sits there hanging. And as soon as I see stuff, it like at, sticks onto that I get a sense board. that you, stuff that you're interested in, you learn like lightning fast. Or you don't even have to learn it. It just comes intuitively. I just like know it and I don't know why I know it. And it's so scary because all my life I've had teachers who become my friends, especially professors, because they're like, they'll ask me something and I tell them something, and then they ask me something else, and I tell them, and then they're like, do you want to be friends? And I'm like, yeah. Because <laughs> like, <laughs> I have no idea why I know that. Like, it happened right, that's a lot another, that's another. That's another, you know, awesome trait of women. You actually ask the question, do you want to be friends? I don't think I can, well, at least not since I was seven, <laughs> ever had someone say that to me or me said it to somebody. The closest really? thing now is like, accept a friend request, right? <laughs> a, People say that to me all the time. <laughs> no, I'm serious. It's like, it's something that me and my friends like joke about. Like my friends are like always like mad about it. They're like, everywhere we go, everybody wants to be your fucking friend. Like I'm like, I'm friendly. Like, what do you want? 
I love I, I, I don't know. Maybe I assumed. I just didn't think I had to ask. Yeah, I think that, like, um, people <laughs> get like to... I like you do. I think that people get down to my, like, 12-year-old level, you know? Like, I think... Because I think after a little while of being around me, you realize it's not an act. Like, I'm just dumb. I'm that just, is like, so wrong. No, but, like, I'm just... I'm, like, a... I'm kind of, like, a... Um, I'm a little bit strange that way because I'm smart, but like I'm I'm kind of childish, and I think the reasoning is that I can't be this smart without being this childish because I can't hang on to shit. Like things that people think are important, if I thought they were important, I would have no room for data, and I need the data, right? Because my brain is always trying to figure stuff out. So like I don't have time or computing space for like the norms and the all this stuff it, it seems so much easier to go on intuition and feeling because then you're having these two things do completely separate things and they're both doing their jobs yeah is what it feels mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you know i just want to be efficient yeah no i <laughs> i get it you know hey but you can remember like 256 different colors yeah whereas if you asked a man how many colors can he name you would get a much smaller number than 256. I can, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, so but it's, yeah. it's just a, ch- it's, again, it's about changing. I don't think that what's wrong in the world is people not liking each other. I actually think what's wrong in the world is when people don't like themselves. Oh, for sure. That's always what it is. It's never about other people. Like, that's what I think, right? Like, this hologram is actually self-reflective. Like, it is a hologram, but I think... That's the art you were talking about. Yeah. We create our own art. Because yeah. we're trying to tell ourselves something that's yeah. deep and profound. Dude, you've yeah. been facing this over and over and over again. I'm going to keep putting it in your face until you finally go, okay, got it. Thank you. Ding, 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 ding. Everything. This is what I tell people. I'm like, listen, you wrote a story and you're living it out. If you want to know what the plot of your story is, look at your surroundings right now. Everything that's going on with you financially, romantically, everything is the plot of your story. And you wrote it and you're living it out and you're decorating it and you're rendering it and you're coloring it. It's all you. And you love this fucking story. No matter how much you say you hate this story, you love this story because you keep choosing it. Because we all know a guy, a girl, a kid, somebody, even a fucking dog who chose to be different and changed. And people do change fundamentally, but it's very, very rare. Because most people are addicted to their story. Oh. They're toxically addicted to their story. Oh, most people are addicted to the struggle and the drama of their story. Yeah. Oh, that's the best part. That's the, you know, it like... It makes shit real, right? Uh-huh. That's the whole thing. It's like, when I'm in that, I'm like, I can sit there and, like, complain about this or whatever. It's like, whoa, that just made my, my fake experience really real. Makes it very real. And a lot of people are, like, junkies for the real, you know? They want to feel that, like, especially... Taurus. Taurus likes to feel really grounded and sometimes yeah. Taurus will seek out something that seems real that they know isn't real. And you're like, what are you doing? So have you ever taken a Myers-Briggs test? Yeah, I have. So what's your type? Um, a pair, oh God. You know, that was created by Carl Jung as well. Myers-Briggs. Well. Yeah, yeah, we had well, to do Myers it and in Briggs high school. basically adapted his personality types to the Myers-Briggs just to put letters to it. But it's the same thing. Okay, so I'm the one, I'm so sorry that I'm going to be like ignorant and not say the right letters, but I'm the one, like I was like in the whatever highest percentage of like the people who should be a priest. Hmm. So that's probably... I'm sorry, I can't be more helpful. It was do like you when get, I was 18. I can do a test on you real quick. Okay, sure, yeah. Do you get more energy by being other people, by being around other people or by being by yourself? Both. Okay, if you had to give a speech in front of a thousand strangers on a topic you're not expert in, does it give you energy or take it away? Give. 
Uh, on a scale of one to 10, how do you rate your risk tolerance, your tolerance for taking risks? Very high. Okay. Do you make decisions first with your head and then justify them with your heart, or is it first with your heart and then back it up with your head? Which, which has it? the final say, heart or head? It, which one's intuition? Mm, okay, so let's just kind of <laughs> take this another way. Okay, so when you say intuition, is that something that you feel through your whole body or is it something you feel in your stomach? Uh, I don't have a running dialogue, but uh, I seem to know exactly what I'm doing when I'm doing it. My body moves before my brain. Okay, all right. And um, when you go on a date... Yeah, it's been a while. Do you like... <laughs> do you like to um, have things totally planned out in advance? Or do you prefer complete spontaneity? If you had to choose one. Uh, I mean, how hot is the guy? <laughs> <laughs> That's not part of the Myers-Briggs No, come on, test. it should be. What the fuck, it's totally different. If he's not, like, super hot, hot, I want to know exactly where we're hot? going. How do you define hot? <laughs> come on. <laughs> no, I mean, because there are different characteristics, right? That are gonna be... Um, Alpha. Alpha, okay. Good looking, so, alpha, alpha, like... So comfortable in his skin. Good looking, mm -hmm. well-dressed, fit. Mm-hmm. You know, like, polite, decent, loves his mom. Got it. Okay. So, um... <laughs> Already super in love with me. <laughs> I'm very right. specific. Another question. <laughs> okay. Moving then on. surprise. <laughs> What's your closet look like? Uh, it's super organized at the moment, but I travel a lot, so it can look like a fucking disaster sometimes. It can I'm go sorry. either way. Yeah. <laughs> it really can. I'm sorry. I'm such a fucking Gemini. <laughs> this is fun, though. So I'm going to say, uh, <laughs> and I can't have a high degree of accuracy on these, probably about 75%, mm -hmm. because I'd have to ask a lot more questions okay, and, okay, okay. in order to really drill it down. Yeah, okay. But I'm going to say you are probably... An E-N-F-P. That kind of sounds right. What is that? So, sometimes referred to as an evangelist. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, you're able to motivate people. Yeah. You can definitely motivate. You can sell ice to Eskimos, in fact. Saturn and right? Leo like Hitler. Yeah. Oh, I have Saturn, to Saturn and Leo like Hitler. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. Right. That's it. It's Sorry. a crazy placement, man. You, get to, you can really rile people up. Yeah, you, you can promote what you believe in. Yeah. But you have to believe in it. It's not something that you could just like throw out and just... There's got to be an ethos You can act it, it though. You can act it. And you seek out mentors. Yeah. You seek out mentors in what are called beneficial and beneficiary sort of relationships. Sure. Right? Yeah. And uh, you seek out wisdom because you think you can learn things from people. The problem side of your personality is that <laughs> Here you we go. can have the rug pulled out from underneath. I've and been naive. You can think that you, <laughs> you can think because you're also uh, you're a romantic because yeah. the ENFP is a romantic. You literally love the movie Pretty Women, right? And I do actually. I hate that I love that movie. <laughs> oh, you you so love gross. that movie. I and, do love that movie. And any rom com, <laughs> romantic comedy. I hate them though because they're so fake, and I'm always telling everybody how they can't believe in that shit. Yeah, but when so they produce fake. something that's like really good, it's like fairy tale esque. I mean, listen, Casablanca is like amazing. Okay, yes, you are definitely a romantic. 
Yeah, I am. So that also means that when you're in a relationship, you're going to go deep. Oh, yeah. In that relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's everything. You get everything. Yeah. I'll do anything for you. So yeah. sometimes you can be taken advantage of. Oh, yeah. Highly. And it's so heartbreaking for you when it happens. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but here's the thing. So your opposite type okay. would be the opposite letters of that, right? So E is extrovert. N is intuitive. Feeling is F, right? And then the P is perceiving. Okay? So ENFP. Yeah, it's good for clergy. There's a lot. I mean, people more like evangelists, like, because they're so good. Like, you mean Joel Osteen, right? Of, I love Joel Osteen. Okay, I fuck with go. him heavy. I love watching him. I'm so satisfying for me. I'm like, yes, Joel. I saw the funniest meme on Instagram today about him. Yeah, the picture of him and his wife, who, I mean, this has been a very successful guy. Yeah. And it's like, you know, here's like one of the rules of life that you have to basically adhere to. It's like, go into a business where you pay no taxes and get rich. <laughs> Listen, funny. man, he's doing it. He he's got that it. whole, like, snaky preacher thing down with the wet, curly hair. Yo, I just be laughing at him. Like, he's just so, and you know, it's so funny because he's, like, actually giving, like, a really nice message. You know what? You he's know, a so good speaker, like, man. He's a good speaker. I've watched it a few times. I'm like, damn, this guy's he's good. Listen, when I went through that like math nerd breakup, like I was really in it, man. And I watched a lot of Joel Olstein. And it really helped me because I was like the lowest of the low. I didn't get out of bed for three weeks. So did it like turn you off to math? No, I I just I think it made me realize that like like he would he could sit at a computer for six hours just staring at code. And not move. And I was like, you all right? And he's like, I'm working. And I'm like, what are you doing? What are you thinking? <laughs> like, what, what are you, you thinking? And I'd be like, what are you thinking? I'm thinking about like, the code. Yeah, he's just See, like, you're right. This you is know. kind of like evolutionary. It's like, I can also imagine him like, he's about to like, you know, have a bow and arrow and like take down exactly. a bear or something. No, right? but he was and like. if he says something or makes any noise or even thinks an untoward thought, the bear is going to take it. Well, and he was hella, 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 hella indigenous. Like pure blood indigenous, like like from Native American, so South 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 India, like oh South India, yeah yeah yeah, like the like Dravidian, no, like even in, to the southern countries, like past India, like it's just he was from very like far Indonesia, no, like Sri Lanka, like the <laughs> Sri Lanka. Andalus, like, yeah, oh, like yeah, just okay. very Dravidian, so um, yeah, exactly, hiding in the jungle. Very quietly, very precise, very good at it. But it was just like, I realized that there was like a difference with people. Like people, I'd never met someone who was so different. And I just like, it finally got through to me that like, people do, in fact, not go off of feeling. And I think I hit my head against that wall for years. Like, no, surely you feel something. Like, you have to feel something. But you have to understand though, this little thing with Myers-Briggs, that if you take the opposite type of you. Yeah. Which would be an I, S, T... J. Okay. <laughs> yeah. ISTJ, uh, they're about as damn good at execution as you can imagine. Yeah. They are like, they love animals. Love animals. That's mm-hmm. sort of their release. They're very, very, think of it this way. They have to repress their outward expression of emotion because they feel it so deeply. Right. And they don't like the vulnerability that comes along with that. And somewhere along the way, they believed or were taught maybe that it wasn't good to show your emotion. Scorpios. <laughs> so you have to hide that emotion. Yeah. And it's so deep, in fact, when it comes out, it's explosive. Yeah. And it can be, like, alarming to people around them. 
But they're about as good a manager as you could possibly imagine. But they're also like, okay, I've got a list of every single thing we're going to do today, and we can't deviate that path. They love tradition. They honor routine. They love routine. Routine and checking off lists make them feel like a rock star. But I love breaking people's routine, and I love fucking with people, and I love taking them okay, out of the schedule. Okay, but hold on a second. <laughs> Hang on a second. Now, I'm going to show you something here. And this is actually for understanding who we are, because Socrates said, know thyself. Two very simple words that are the hardest things you will ever do in your entire life. I guarantee you. It will be the most difficult thing because only we are blind to 50% of ourselves. That's right. We can't okay. see the back So now if you were to read the characteristics of someone who's an ISTJ, what I just named off to you, which you were like, oh my gosh, I hate routine. I hate that. Da, da, da. I got to break oh, I'm really attracted to guys like that. I'm really attracted to men so, like that. So hold on a second. Yeah. <laughs> what you just described in your mathematician boyfriend. Yeah. Ex-boyfriend. I will lay money down. Yeah. He's an ESTJ. Oh, he is. Now. So, yeah. this is what is trying to be told to you by your higher self. Yeah. You need to read the characteristics. Just look up Google the words portrait of ISTJ. Yeah. Read all the traits and write down. This is a little thing for you. It will not be difficult. Write down, it'll take 10 minutes max, the three things that triggered you the most about that personality type. Stop yourself. Read them back and start your sentence before you read the words. With, I, I accept that I am. Yeah, no, it's true, man. I just like recently realized my mom's been telling me all my life, and I may I gave him shit for it for a long time, but I I do exactly what I gave him shit for, and my mom's been trying to tell me forever. She's like, you have no idea how to process emotion. Like you can do everything so well, and you're so fucking smart. But like I'm a Vedic Taurus, and I think that I just suppress my emotions, and like not my emotions, but like when something really hurts me. Yeah, I just put it somewhere. And then, like, three months later, I'm blowing up at the wrong person, and it is really bad. It's really, really bad. And that person is getting the brunt of something that they have absolutely nothing to do with. They weren't even near the blast site. You know what I mean? Like, they had nothing to do with it. And I'm just like... Um, and it comes out in ways that even surprise you. Yeah, absolutely. Which means, I'm like, what the like, fuck is like this? You'll, you'll, you know, because these are areas that are so tenuous for you. That you don't even want to see. I mean, let's go back to Adam and Eve for a moment, right? And what happened in the story? So God tells them, okay, of all the trees in this garden, you may freely eat. But the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Judgment. So that immediately made it. They had obviously lots of trees, lots of fruit, lots of everything. They had abundance all around them. Mm-hmm. It was a test. And he said, okay, now the one thing you can't do... Mm-hmm. Right? Don't screw this up. Because mm-hmm. the day that you do it, you will surely die. Because it's the knowledge of duality, right? That's what it is, right? So think about this. Now, mm-hmm. what happened? So God leaves for a while. He comes back. And he says, Adam, where are you? Adam says, oh, I'm over here. Adam's hiding because he's ashamed. He's naked, yeah. He's ashamed. Mm-hmm. He noticed his nakedness. He covered himself That's right. with the fig leaf. Mm-hmm. And he says, Adam, what hast thou done? And Adam says... Uh, the woman that thou gavest me and commanded that I should remain with her, you know, that person, mm-hmm. she gave me of the fruit. And I ate it. And I did eat it. <laughs> yeah. So then God says, Eve, what, has you, what have you done? And Eve says, the serpent beguiled me mm-hmm. and I ate. Mm-hmm. 
the blame. That's what you're talking about. Yeah, the shame. shame and the blame. Yeah. It's it's not the sin that makes the world the terrible place that it is. It's not the fact that people don't like each other that makes the world a terrible place that it can be a hell for some people. It's the fact that we don't like ourselves or that we harbor shame and carry guilt. That creates the karmic loops. Yeah, because we're that's because it's duality. That's when we give into the duality. The hologram only works if you give into the duality. As soon as you reach that point of the non-dual, the hologram kind of cracks. And, and that's the point. You know, I saw this great meme recently where it's like a butterfly reading a newspaper sitting next to a caterpillar. Right. <laughs> I and, love shit like this. <laughs> and the caterpillar says to the butterfly, man, you've changed. Like, <laughs> yeah. And the butterfly looks at him over the newspaper and says, yeah, we're supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to hear my favorite joke ever? Please, can I tell you my favorite joke? Sure. Robert Grant. Okay. Um, Grasshopper walks into a bar. He's standing at the bar. Bartender is like, uh... Uh, do you want something to drink? Grasshopper's like, well, you know, I've never been in a bar before, so, uh, yeah, I think I, but I don't know what to get. You know, I'm Grasshopper, I don't know. Uh, bartender's like, well, we have a drink named after you, so do you want that? And the grass, Grasshopper says, um, do you have a drink named Steve? <laughs> I don't know why I love that joke, but I remember telling my best friend before I knew he was my best friend, he looked over at me in his dry Russian way and he looked at me for a second and then he busted out laughing and I was like, you're my best friend. <laughs> like, you have to you know, be. You know, the like, best part of that joke is that you love that joke. <laughs> That's what he said. It's so funny to me. Like, come on, of so course the dude is a friends. name. Do I need to ask, is it okay if you're No, friend? we're definitely okay, okay, friends. Cool. I think we already had this conversation I'm just wondering, last I, maybe, night. I felt like maybe I took like license with it or something. <laughs> no, it was just, I don't know, man. I have to say, like, not to just completely fan out for a second, but I, I, I'm just, um, I think that what you're doing is so cool because you are able to reach, um, in, and, and have a say in rooms where these things weren't spoken about before. And so there was no awareness, not because of a malice, but because it just wasn't there. And you're such a voice in places where there needs to be these conversations and that's so important and so i don't know you do it with so much humility that it's like i don't think that people even realize that that's a big part of what you're doing is just bringing a lot of consciousness to you know areas that have been pretty dry you know um so it's super cool for many reasons like it's not just that you're smart you're also doing something really cool with it you know what i mean like you know i like i said i I, I stopped really kind of caring what the rest of the world thought. And I thought, what would I do that I would love? Yeah. And, you know, I've never been someone who was, like, overtly driven by economics. Right. Um, I love to create things. That's what I love to do. I love yeah. to create. I love art. I love, um, I love the dialogue. And then I realized it's okay for me to love those things. And I don't need to fall into a bucket of where people are going to put me in my career or what yeah. I should be doing or how I should be acting. That doesn't matter to me anymore. When I was 41, I remember flying. I was a CEO of a, of a pretty large company. And I was flying back from Hong Kong and the plane started shaking. And I've actually been in three plane crashes in my life. Really? I have, yes. And I've survived them. So people that fly with me are like, dude, I don't know if I want to fly with no, you. No, it only happens in threes. 
Yeah, well, exactly. Okay, that's number one. That's, I do get to say that they didn't say that when it was only two times, but <laughs> the, but the thing is, is that I look at myself as extraordinarily lucky. Of course, I've survived three freaking plane crashes. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, you're like unbreakable, dude. Bro, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I just walk away. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so the thing is, is again, everything that happens to you in the world could be the best thing that ever happened to you or the worst. Exactly. It is 100% up to yeah, how you that, perceive it. Yes. And, I, and I don't want to minimize at all that people really go through suffering. No, but it's never going to get better than right now. No matter how where you are or what you're doing, it's never going to get... Because it's like amazing right now. It's your perception that's got you fucked. Whatever you're going through, it's your perception. So, it's, yeah, just, I, all I say, I hope that people will, will listen to this and say, you know, maybe I do have... Instead of passing blame, because every time you feel like yourself passing blame on someone else mm-hmm. or the situation around you, mm-hmm. you're not able to like love the moment that you're in. And you're not able to do anything about it. That's the thing that gets me. I need to be able to solve things. I'm like a problem solver. I need, I need things to be like, you know, like look around. Everything needs to be <laughs> like where it needs to be. And I, I, it, you just have to be efficient. If you blame your situation on anything other than you, that means that that thing has some kind of control in your life. And if something else has control in your life, you need to fucking fix that. You know, it's, it's like, uh, the, the, one of my favorite movies is the one um, about Nelson Mandela. Yeah. And it was called Invictus, which means unconquerable. And I, and I sculpted a horse out of bronze and I named it Invictus. Oh, because cool. for me, it was like something with my spirit. I don't know. I don't I always have associated a horse with my spirit for some reason. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a spirit animal. I don't know. But um, I didn't even know I could sculpt, and I started sculpting only a few years ago. And I did a, a male torso, and then in bronze, and you start with clay, and then you do a casting, etc. How and then, cool! And then I sculpted a horse, and the horse was big; it's like mm. sixty-five pounds. This thing is quite large. Heavy, yeah. And um, and then I did a feminine torso because I was feeling the necessity for the feminine to emerge, uh-huh. not just in. And, and it's not like, I mean, I'm, you know, talking about transgender or something like that mm-hmm. for, for me personally. No, no, no. What Just I was like talking the about anima, is the feminine, everybody has the anima, yeah. right, for a man. Yeah. Carl Jung talks about the anima. It's the shadow, which is a feminine character. That's right. And it's the thing that you have so far put aside mm-hmm. because for some reason it's an accumulation of all the things you thought were unacceptable. Right. The things that you're ashamed of. That creates the density of your shadow. And then mm-hmm. when you get to midlife, you go through the midlife crisis, which is like, wait a minute, I hate myself. Which is supposed to be your kundalini rise. It's supposed to be when you accept yourself completely and when go and be alone. When you accept yourself completely, yeah. by the way, you accept everyone else around you. Shame makes the shadow denser. That's amazing. You just be saying the wildest shit. Because that's, yeah, you're so right. That's what it is. Once you let go of shame, your shadow becomes like smoke. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it integrates, yeah. and you love yourself, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. And, and not narcissistic love. Narcissistic no. love is not true love. No. Narcissistic love is loving the reflection that you see. By the way, when you look in the mirror, you can't see the backside of you, right? Unless you're doing like that over the shoulder sort of yeah. like you know selfie. The pose. selfie. Yeah. I've tried to do that, and I'm really like trash at that pose. I just can't. It's like weird. It's like all the hoe poses that I wish I could do. I can't do. <laughs> it's so mean. Like I wish I could do them, but I think I'm just like. I missed it by a generation because my body won't do that. Whatever it is that you're supposed to do, like I just feel, it's weird. It's like everything is changing in behavior because of technology, and I don't think that we ever stop to like really consider it. Like how many people die taking selfies? Like that's a wild number. Oh my gosh, I was in Ireland not long ago, 
and there, there's like no wall. I'm like, wow, there's like this cliff. And I'm like, man, <laughs> we never have like a cliff with like no like yeah. fence or something yeah, to yeah, keep yeah. people from falling off. Because they're totally going the trial to. trial attorneys are going to go nuts, right? They're totally going to. <laughs> yeah. Oh, some, some like Asian couple like a few months ago was like doing the selfie stick. Yeah. You know, step back, step back, step back further and then. Ba-boom. Drop, you know, 600 dying feet. For, dying for art. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, but the, the point that I'm trying to make is that you are what you've been looking for. Yeah. All of us are. Yeah. And the stuff that we repress yeah. and are shameful about is what manifests around us in our world. Mm-hmm. Until we can learn to accept it and love it. And then the next lesson will be put up on the screen. Think of your yeah. shadow personality as someone who's never done anything right in mm. your mind and wants nothing more than your conscious acceptance mm. it's not that you have to like agree with all the bad things yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. what I'm saying is that think of it as a separate personality your yeah. alter ego is there yeah. and just really wants to be accepted by you right so that you could integrate yeah but it's kind of got a little abuse right sure 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 that yeah it's like a pit bull yeah it's sort of karmic conditioning mm-hmm and we live it over and over and over again until we decide to break the cycle. And the doorway is through extreme polarity. It's not through just sitting in the middle or close to the middle. It requires the extreme polarity in society in order for you to see the illusion drop. I think that's why hermetic uh, hermeticism and all this stuff gets such a bad rap because they're so good at pointing out the polarity. I mean, even Christianity talks about the principalities. And a lot of times when you get into that territory, the conspiracy stuff goes nuts. Because when you talk about as above, so below, and the black and the white of it, even though it's based in, like, Taoism and the I Ching and everything, still people get it wrong and they think that it's, like, magic or something, not realizing that, you know, no. magic was just science. It's a... It's not even about this base metals into gold. And, and you can do alchemy through many different means. It doesn't right. have to be, like, I'm going to do a little lab and get some sulfur and... What do you think so, about atomized gold? Uh, something that's referred to as monatomic gold. Okay. Yeah. Um, Can you eat it? You know, <laughs> I haven't tried. But have you heard of people ingesting it? I have. And I've what? heard of people ingesting it, and I mean, there are ancient cultures that believed it. Right. I mean, by the way, there are a lot of kings who wanted, that hired alchemists mm-hmm. to make monatomic gold for them so they could drink it as an elixir to live forever. Right. The problem is, is, and this is what doesn't work, you can't just do this physical act Mm -hmm. without going through the ascension path yourself and merging with your shadow side, which is a fundamental element. There are five steps, right, in in alchemy. The first is called negredo. The second is called um, albedo. So negredo is the blackening or putrefaction, the blackening. It is the recognition that your shadow is you. Mm-hmm. and you have a midlife crisis. Mm-hmm. Then you go through albedo, which is the whitening. It almost feels like a bit of a resurrection. You think that, oh, wow, I'm ascending. I'm waking up. Mm-hmm. Right? This is sort of the wake up. Mm-hmm. Or as we would say in today's hipster parlance, woke. woke. Yeah. Right? He woke. He woke. Right? It's like, I don't know, we don't have to use the <laughs> conjunctive kind yeah. of like words in between. Them either. It's like Chinese. Chinese hey. is like that. It's like, I go store. E- right? e- you don't have to e- say, e- I'm going is to the store. You can, you can 
you can express so much more with Ebonics than you can with English. Like, it's not even funny. No, I know so many, like, white people who are, like, really proficient at Ebonics. It's yeah, because, because, it's just a, because it's just a more expressive language. Yeah, and somehow it does. It does definitely it gets the point across. something. It gets the point across in a different way. Across. It's got a cadence to it, right? Well, like, there's certain things you can't even say in English without doing, like, a whole paragraph. Like, you, you can say, like, I've been doing that. If I was to explain to you what I've been doing that, which is just something you could just rattle off the tongue, I've been doing that means, like, uh, I have for some time now done something that you now think is new, and I am telling you now that I have known about it for a long time, and you're not telling me anything. It's just more efficient. <laughs> it's way Clearly, more efficient. <laughs> you just did that in, like, four words, right? Yeah. Versus, like, three blah, sentences. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it's like, and it's so, like, ugh, boring, too. You know, it's like, I don't know, we... There's so little that you can actually express in English that sometimes I feel really, really sincerely bad for people who don't speak another language. Oh, yeah. No, I think that's one of the things that gets lost when we're... Again, that's part of, honestly, there is some conditional work that's going on that the masculine has to take responsibility for and understand. <laughs> yeah. And part of it is in our educational system. Right. Hyper-specialization, as well as this innate focus... This over-the-top hyper-focus we have on math and science, I'm sorry. Yep. I'm telling you, kids will learn math better when they understand music. Most mathematicians were also artists, understand right? <laughs> every one of the greatest mathematicians, I'm not talking about the mathematicians that, that are of today. No, I mean a hyper-specialist. Like, a mathematician, yeah. historically, yeah. was the alchemist. Yeah. A mathematician was somebody who went into the mysteries, what we consider the most objective of the sciences. You know, mathematics is interesting because it's the cheapest to do from a research and development standpoint. You can do it with a compass, a square, and a pencil. Yeah, right? people love to tout Newtonian physics, but don't ever want to talk about how he spent more time studying astrology 80% of his work, <laughs> 80% of his work, and Bill Gates apparently purchased the alchemical oh, works. Oh, jeez. Right? So 80% of his works that were held by Cambridge University were alchemical. That's right. That's right. I mean, yeah, it he was, was like hella into all of Those concepts that led, he thought he was looking for and confirming the signature mm -hmm. of higher consciousness. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that's why he did so many works on the pyramid. That's right. I mean, this guy was like over the top on units of measure. Yeah. As being relational to mathematical concepts. If we're friends, can we go to the pyramids at some point? Is well, that presumptuous I've, of me? No, absolutely. You, I, <laughs> since we're you friends. Since you said we're friends. <laughs> absolutely. We'll probably have to go with a few other people. Yeah, that would be amazing, man. I got some friends I want to go. Can we go to the pyramids? That would be well, cool. Well, you know what? If you come to this event at the end of the month, yeah. I'm Which pretty I'm sure you're going to be... Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're going to be convinced to go to the pyramids back with, uh, with the residents... I really, I really want to go. I'm, I'm so like, I don't know, man. Yesterday, even when we were sitting there, I almost thought I was gonna cry. I was like, kind of glad that there were other people there, because otherwise, it would have just been me like crying for like 20 minutes and being like, you understand? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, you just like tapped into something really amazing. Cause it's a mix of art and math, and you've done so many different things. And to see someone come from such a completely different kind of bloodless, if you don't mind me saying, world of like corporations and stuff, like it's a it's an impressive transformation, like you're talking about, like the alchemy of it all. Like it's an impressive thing that you personally, Taurus, are going through. Like if, if there's anyone out there that's kind of struggling with changing their identity or rebranding themselves, I think you're someone that they can look to for a lot of inspiration. 
you know. And you know, I, I it wasn't even that I was trying to think about a, a, a rebrand, right? I mean, no, you just do it in like just following your heart and your gut, and like I felt you know. the need to share my experience, not for any, you know, there's 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 no monetary benefit. Yeah, right? not at all. Um, I wasn't trying to find prime number pattern. I was trying to understand the language of mathematics. Yeah. I figured that math constants were the verbs of that language and that sentences were created by a syntax oriented around geometries inscribed within circles. Right. And I found a language in mathematics that happened to also be the doorway to understanding prediction of prime numbers. And, and then now, out of necessity, I'm like, oh my gosh, I had to start an encryption company because I knew that the current encryptions we're at risk because of what you yeah okay so 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 okay so what are the actual just a few i'm sure there are many implications of the thing that you found so um i would put it in kind of two major categories okay uh first of all it's one of the oldest problems mathematicians have tried to solve fucking shit for thousands of years <laughs> sorry <laughs> holy fucking shit what the it was. Uh, Mashallah, I tell you amazing. what, it was so funny because what I what I found was you've heard of the Fibonacci numbers, yeah. I'm sure, right? So, and and Fibonacci, you can kind of think of it in terms of one point six one eight and point six one eight, and you can basically take numbers like thirteen multiplied by one point six one eight, and you're going to get twenty one, and then the next number would be one point six one eight would be thirty four, and right. then it'd be fifty five, and then eighty nine, and then right. forty four. Well, these Fibonacci numbers. Uh, I started studying them and looking for the language of them in a, a technique called digital root okay. or digital sum. And actually, Vedic mathematicians use this all the time. You add a number within itself. Okay. So 27, we think of the number 27. It has a digital root of 9, nine. because 2 plus 7 equals 9. And some call this numerology. That's what I was just right? going to say. That sounds it's like the numerology. same as numerology, right? Okay. Same thing. But number theorists use it because Mother Nature, the universe itself, understands almost like a Dewey Decimal System that every single number, even gigantic numbers, can be reduced down to one number. One through nine. So I did that on Fibonacci numbers and I noticed that the pattern repeats every 24 numbers. Okay. So that there's some periodicity that relates to 24, like 24 hours in a day. Right. Right? Now what's interesting is if you take a 24-sided polygon which would just be a flat geometry, and you put in two-dimensional geometry. Uh-huh. It has 24 sides, and you could say each side represents one hour of a day. Okay. Right? Yeah. Then, if I calculate the sum of angles... Yeah. ...of that interior angles of that polygon... Of all of that, yeah. Right? Yeah. The way I'm going to find it is I'm going to basically know that the interior angle of a, a 24-hour clock or this... Uh, what's referred to technically as an Icasi tetragon, okay. is going to be 165 degrees. So I multiply that by 24, and guess what that equals? What? 3,960. Now you might say, well, what the hell is that going to do with anything? Okay. We have 24 hours in a day. Yeah. Now how genius is it? Wouldn't you think somehow that time should relate, like through Kepler's laws of motion, to the radius of the planet? Mm-hmm. As it's spinning on its sure, axis. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Well, I just to. told you the sum of angles of a 24-hour clock. Yeah, and it's the is same. 3,960. That's exactly the radius of the Earth in miles. Oh, fuck. 
Now, you might say, well, wait, aren't miles arbitrary? That's some mm-hmm. unit of measure somebody made up. Right, right, right. Um, and the answer to that question is no. They're not arbitrary. They're absolutely fundamental. They're yeah. math constants in and of themselves. They're math constants, right. And as are meters, right. as are qubits. And we got all this from the Sumerians, right? We got all this from Sumerians. By the way, who also gave us the gift of astrology? Right. Because if you try to find the first reference to astrology, uh, you'd have to go all the way back to something like the Epic of Gilgamesh. Yeah. And that's it's not because it's the first, first reference necessarily it was created then. It is because that's the oldest documents we have on the planet. Right. Right? right. And it's a hero's story. Yeah. And it's a hero's story. Yeah. So here we have astrology, our reckoning of time, 24 hours in a day. Mm-hmm. They had a 360-day year, one day equaling each degree. Yeah, yeah. And then there was sort of like this resurrection at the end of the year. They yeah. have to have these make-up five days at the yeah. end of the year. And um, their unit of measure also, they utilize the mile. Now, interestingly, wow. the mile... Wow. So you've, have you heard of something called the Planck length? Yes, yeah, of course. About it all the time. Of course. So the smallest yeah. unit of measure in the universe is yeah. something called the Planck length. It's, it's 1.61 uh, times Eight. 10 to the negative 34th power meters. Okay, so it's a very, very cool. small unit. Put it in comparative terms, it would be like, you know, 34 zeros mm-hmm. after a decimal point, and then that's the size of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. contextualize it, that would be the same size as a tree at the center of the known universe. Okay. Okay? And you could reference and see the entire universe. So you're stepping far enough back to be able to see the entire universe, and you'd still be able to measure <coughs> the tree. You could think of it as a pixel of the universe, in a way, right? It's but now what's interesting about who that, found the Planck length? Planck. Uh, Max Planck. <laughs> Max Planck. The I German just gave physicist. you that. I just like that was just like an easy layup. It's like, here, take that, Robert. <laughs> so, which by the way was who a close gave? colleague of of Albert Einstein, right? And, Probably, I could say, a mentor of Albert Einstein. Sure. Along with, by the way, Carl Jung was a right. mentor. Right, right, yeah. Young, Jung was all up in the mixie. Jung was very, uh, he was the psychologist of, of uh, Albert Einstein's son. Really? And he was also a mentor for Albert Einstein on many topics. Really? Yeah. There's this great series you should watch called Genius on Apple TV. Okay. Which is from, like, PBS. Okay, okay, I Jeffrey love PBS. Rush. It's okay. like a ten, it's like binge worthy. Yeah, okay. You would love this show. Okay, like, okay. Love great. it, love it, love it. There's like ten parts to it, it's outstanding. Yay. Well acted and everything. Okay. Love but it. What let's go back to the Planck length first. Yes. So one point six one meters. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Times ten to the negative thirty four power. Now, if I make that measurement in miles, guess what it is? Oh man, what is it? Well, how many miles how many kilometers are there to one mile? Do you know? I'm supposed to know this. I spend half the year driving in kilometers. Uh, uh, so uh, if you go 50 kilometers, it's about 30 miles. Okay. 50 right? kilometers is 30 miles. Okay. So then if I were to reverse that equation, it turns out that it's 1.61. So the mile... Okay. If I measure the Planck length in miles, it turns out to be 1 times 10 to the negative 38th power. Okay. It's unity. It's one. There's no decimal behind it. That seems to be something kind of fundamental yeah. to me. And wait, these Sumerians that came up with this measurement we call the second, okay? The right. second of time. Right. 
which is not only applicable to clocks, it's also applicable to compasses, right? So you have minutes and seconds on a compass as well. Okay. So how many seconds are there in a day? Do you know? 39,000 or something. It's 24 hours times 60 minutes times 60 seconds for each minute, right? That turns out to be 86,400. 86,000, okay. Now, what is, if we could create a perfect way to reckon time, wouldn't it have something to do with our radius of the earth, which I just said yeah. relates, and wouldn't it have something to do with maybe the diameter or the orbital around the sun? Sure, yeah, of course, it right? would have to, yeah. If you had that kind of knowledge, but there's no way you could have that knowledge, right? Right. 6,000 years ago. Right. But they had it. Well, they I just said it. that it's 86,400 seconds in a day. There's even like a song. Is it Matchbox 20? I can't remember who sings this song about 86,400 seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But basically, the sun's diameter is 864,000 miles. This whole thing is a fucking fractal video game. Okay. Jupiter's diameter is 86,400 miles. Is Jupiter our other sun? Is Jupiter, like, used to be the binary sun and it died or imploded or what happened? There's so many different theories on that one, but it definitely has a, a huge anchoring uh, role, I believe, in our solar system. Uh, it's the peak of the wave. You could look at all the, the colors of the, plant, the planets, right? Yeah. Ever notice it kind of looks like your shirt, yeah. the rainbow? Yeah, it does. Right. Look at the colors of Neptune, yeah. Uranus, right? Those are the higher end of the spectrum. Yeah. Saturn is greenish. Yeah. Jupiter is kind of a yellow-white color. You've got uh, a, a yellowish color, really, for Mars, even though we call it the red planet. And Earth, if you took all the water off, it would be sort of a brown color. It would be like a reddish-brown, mm -hmm. dirt, terraform. Like, Mar like Mars. Maybe a little bit darker, because the darkness brings the richness to it, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not Sahara like Sahara Desert, yeah. lots of dead sand. You know, yeah. it's just there, right? It's kind of a tan color. And then you've got uh, Venus. It's kind of an orange color, right? And then you've got Mercury, which is kind of a reddish Red color. color. It's yeah. a rainbow. It's a rainbow. It's like the chakras. It's the chakras. Yeah. So, and by the way, you know, if I take 432, which is a hertz frequency that should be used for tuning. Yeah, right. That's what Mozart used. Bach right. used it. Right. And you square that, it comes out to be the speed of light. Right. Which is... 186,400 miles per can second. We, can we... Is that 86,400 again? Can we travel faster than the speed of light using sound? You know, that's a really good question. First of all, sound doesn't travel at that speed. Okay. So sound requires a medium. Right. Right? So you have to have air. You don't hear sound. Remember that Aliens movie? It's like in space, no one hears you scream. <laughs> right, yeah. So I never really got what that meant, actually. It's like, no, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> there's no medium oh. for the waves to bounce off of and give you the phonons. Jeez, that's scary. Right. Because you're just like out in the black hole, it right? It doesn't mean it doesn't exist. So one of the things that came out of the work we found was that there is absolutely an explicit and implicit tie between gravity and electromagnetism. The output of electromagnetism is energy and light. And the output of gravity would be what we call vacuum, right? Vacuum fluctuation, as well as um, it's sort of dark. dark. And time. Saturn. Time is the opposite of energy. Time is controlled by gravity. Yeah. Gravity is a gravitational waves or what we call compression waves 
their artifact in a medium is sound resonance. So you could think of sound as the art we cannot see. Except in geometry and architecture. Right? Yeah, so then you look at architecture, you look at geometry, and geometry is nothing other than frozen sound. Man, you're so good. That's like I love that's probably my favorite saying of yours. That is amazing. That's such a beautiful concept. Can I tell you something personal sure. about math for a second? Sure. I'm really bad at all kinds of math except pre-cal. Mm-hmm. I aced for some reason and um geometric proofs. Like I can do them just forever. Like they're easy it, as shit. See, geometry is definitely for women especially. I think you guys are very connected to geometry much easier right? than than algebra per se. Yeah. Right? Because there is a uh, there's an element of it that you already are like, so <coughs> knowing. It's like I just know it. I just always said that. I just feel like I know it. And you're so connected more to see w- women also are blessed because they have a larger corpus callosum in their brain, which is the connective the center tissue. part, yeah. Yeah, that connects the two hemispheres of the brain, which means there's more free access between the two sides. Right. Maybe because we do more with both hands because we're like traditionally doing a lot more physical work. I also think it's, I think part of it's societal too. I mean, we're taught as a little boy, stop crying. So you think it has something to do with like processing emotions? Hide your well. emotion. You want to you get rid of the violence in the world? Yeah. Let, let kids, people like, learn to process their emotion. Yeah. Let, in this yeah. regard, I don't think we'd have that many wars if... If women were running more of the show, <laughs> word you really yeah, but but like what 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 if it's not what if it's the because exact you have different you have different issues right yeah you probably have be like violence. some sort of like the view talk show where you could like hash it out <laughs> or, or maybe it turn, would be vicious you know women can be it, really it could vicious be, it, could be that, it could be that too but we are so repressed and mm-hmm. we're told it's not okay to feel so that causes right there a lot of the pain that is inflicted upon society. Well, you're also not, like, biologically allowed to do what, like, you're supposed to do, which is, like, kind of crazy. Like, as women, it's, like, it's weird to say it, but a lot of our societal rules are set up so women can biologically live out what we feel is most comfortable, but this is not biologically what men are supposed to do, and they have to really adhere to a social paradigm that evolutionarily they can't make happen, which is why so many men cheat why so many marriages fall apart like it's sick to say it but it's just like it's sad because we don't want to accept that men really truly like i have that book there the male brain that i talk about a lot like really truly testosterone fucks with the brain and it fucks with the body and it makes you have different priorities and i think it's crazy that we still live in cultures i mean scandinavia is getting farther away from this but we live in cultures where we break up like kids homes because we're never going to get over the fact that like you can love someone and fuck somebody else like I hate to say it like that but like that like society is really set up for women to have it the way women want it which is amazing because as a woman I'm happy about it but like this is not what biologically men are set up to do like every everything proves it every study we have proves it like men are aren't even physically designed to be celibate like it's crazy but it doesn't even matter the effect it has on men and women the effect that it has on children and families has been devastating the world over you know because we're making people we're making men adhere to this thing physically that's just not actually possible like so but see it's very 
evolved of you to even recognize that. Because on the on the other hand too, is like men are told, you know, act a certain way. I, I grew up, thankfully, thanks to my parents, um, opening doors because I liked to. It yeah, you're just like a cool guy. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I liked to. It was just a, an honorific way for me to extend my respect. Yeah. Right, to the opposite sex. And I, and I enjoyed being that and doing yeah. that. It was not, I felt like I was pressured to do it. And even though I sometimes met like super, super like feminist women, I, I never had an experience where someone said, what are you doing? You shouldn't be opening that door for me. I feel like it's also how guys open doors. Like, you open doors like a cool guy. You're just like a guy opening a door. Some guys like to be, like... Oh, so expect yeah, something in return. I don't yeah. know. It's yeah. just, like, weird. Their energy is very, like, look, I'm opening a door for you. And you're just, like, I think, it, I think everything... At the same time, you have to recognize, like, men, you're right. It doesn't condone bad behavior and date rape and... It doesn't in any way, shape, or form. I don't think that's what you're saying at all. No way. But what what I've noticed is that here we have a society that has never historically, at least that we can institutionally remember, mm-hmm. right, or collectively remember from mm-hmm. a historical perspective, been like this, where, like, you know, men are visually stimulated. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, and we're and and our world now is all based on visuals because of the technology that we've chosen to embrace. So what we're doing is like we're putting men in this horrible double bind where there's nothing they can do. They're constantly turned on, and their biology is all for it, and yet they will lose everything they've worked for if they act on it. So you're creating so much pent up aggression in men who aren't actually doing anything wrong. But they're going to be fucking persecuted. They're going to be crucified. Right? So they are. Like, they're terrified. But their body is like, listen, and any woman will tell you if you put her in a room with, like, Jason Momoa, that your body doesn't listen to you. Let's take it to a more uh, alchemical perspective. Yeah. <laughs> Let's. Okay. So from an alchemical standpoint, uh-huh. the more you dissociate yourself with your feminine qualities. Mm-hmm. The, the more you're out of touch with your emotional and intuitive side as a man, because that's what we're taught societally. Come on, buck up, dude. Sure. Toughen up. Stop crying. Exactly. Stop being a little baby. Yeah. Right? It's not okay. No. For a girl, it's okay. You know, we don't tolerate it all the time as a society, but it's more acceptable. It's okay for a girl to cry. It's not okay, let's face it, for a boy to just ball. It's actually like guys, g- girls cry all the time. That's what we get. We get yes. the other end of it. Like, That's we're right. so emotional. Cry, let it out, let it out. And sometimes <coughs> you're encouraged by other women. Mm-hmm. Let it out, you'll just feel better, Just let it right? out, yeah. You know what? Maybe that's what we should have for <laughs> men, too. This is like, it's okay to cry. But look, we all laugh when we see like the comedy where like this big oaf of a guy is like, see, they're like crawled up, you know, and, and it's it's made into parody. It's cruel how ridiculed it is. It's 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 horrible. I, I I say it all the time. It's so fucking hard to be a man right now. Like I watch men struggle all around me just trying to be good guys. Because the thing is, here's the thing. Women are, are we can identify even if if it's not our physical traits, we can identify as being a woman and that's like a thing. And it, and you can't lose it. You know, men are call, are emasculated and call, and said they're not men every which way all the time for everything. 
Someone just can up. just emasculate you over and anything. just shut up. And what are you, you know? thinking? <laughs> you know, it's like it's like oh well, that's you're like that because you're not a man, or you're like this because you're not man enough. Or it's very rare that you hear someone be like you're not woman enough, or this is makes you less of a woman. It's very rare, but men like have to constantly jump through these hoops that are on fire to just prove that they are a certain gender or deserve a certain level of whatever. It's crazy. Like I kind of think that it's it's amazing that more men aren't unhinged. Like, sometimes I wonder how many men would completely fucking lose it if well, things didn't go their way for, well, like, a day. I mean, I don't, I don't know that I can ascribe this solely to one gender type. Mm. But at the same time, suicide rates are super high among teen boys in particular. It's also happening with teen girls. And we, we know that the advent... I think we've, we've made a huge, massive change to what we call society. And one of the great advantages we have in the world now is, like, look, I can go on... Instagram, and I can talk to 50,000 people around the world. They're not even people that are in my town or anything. I've sort of broke down boundaries Mm -hmm. that have existed for millennia. Forever, forever, forever. I mean, I feel like I know people in a digital sense that I would have never known otherwise. No, yeah. Right, and it's it's a really cool thing, right? It's a very cool thing, but along with it comes like, wait a minute, we've just forgotten that, you know, court, you know, Corporate and company, or sorry, corporate and country boundaries mm-hmm. have been around for a long time for a reason. Yeah. And so we just sort of like said, oh yeah, but on digital it doesn't count. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. I have friends in Iran that I could never meet with. Right. right. How bizarre is that, right? Right. And like, we may be going to war. Uh huh. And you can in still the Strait communicate. Of Hormuz, and yet we can communicate through yeah. Facebook. Fuck, that is wild. You're right. And so we have not even stopped to think for a moment. Of what the implications are of like what the fuck we're doing. Yeah. And then we've got AI on top of it, which is basically giving us a fucking echo chamber. I'm sorry. Yes. Yes. Of course. Exactly. Of, this is of my our problem narcissism. With it. Yes. Yes. This is my whole problem with it. Yes. Of course it is. It's going to be just like us. And it's going to be the f- most fucked up parts of us. It's going to be that fucking shadow we can't integrate. But see, but see here's the thing. As I said, the things you don't accept about yourself. They come back. They're what populate the world That's around a fucking Terminator myth. That's why that myth is so persistent. In That's fact, a Terminator you can think myth. About, in fact, you can think about yourself. Your conscious mind as who you believe you are as a separate person, separate from the rest of society, separate from me. And your subconscious mind, you could think of as a projection to the universe around you. In fact, you could probably call it the you inverse. Yeah. Right? And then maybe the stuff, the space that connects all of it, that we is dark to us, mm-hmm. and we can't at all experience or see, maybe that's the higher self. So, or what we call time. Time itself, that becomes that which we cannot see, that which is dark, that which is out of our zone of consciousness is what we are in denial of. And, and I think... For people that are not in touch with their feminine side, they will be surrounded by the feminine. They'll be constantly maybe tempted by it. If they're tempted by it, it's what will and what they're repressing, it's what will manifest all around them. Okay, so if you start to really embrace your full self, the world around you changes. I can't help but notice right now that there's a real shift towards transgender. Mm-hmm. 
and how maybe that's a reflection of a merger that's already taking place in public consciousness. Mm -hmm. But it really is about falling in love with the moment you're in. Fall in love even with the time that you're yeah. in. Yeah. Find the beauty. That's what it means to change lead into gold for an alchemist. It means to change your perspective. Do you, do you think that's why there's so much of like transgender and hermaphrodite tradition in hermetic stuff? Because hermaphrodites but come up the, a lot. The hermeticism. Angels are supposed to be hermaphrodites. Hermeticism as a term, right? If you think about it, first that's of all, where hermaphrodite comes from. The, right. So hermeticism, and that re represents Hermes or right. Mercury. Yeah. The symbol for Mercury in astrology and alchemy, it's the same symbol, is a circle with a half moon above it. Looks just like the Taurus symbol. Mm -hmm. And then it's also the same symbol as Venus, just with no half moon. So it's a circle, looks like a woman, mm -hmm. right? So it's got an alpha, which is the root word from Arabic, mm -hmm. and from, uh, from, from Hebrew is aleph, mm -hmm. which means bull or ox. Okay? And aleph is alpha. Mm. 24 letters in the Greek alphabet gives you omega is the last letter. Mm -hmm. In Hebrew, it would be aleph tav or aleph tau mm -hmm. in Greek. A and the T. That would be the first and last letters mm -hmm. of the alphabet. But in Greek, it's Aleph, Omega, or Alpha and Omega. What what Hermes is is a combination, because you know the symbol of the Ankh. Mm -hmm. That's also a proto symbology of Venus. Okay. The shape of a woman, a plus sign and a circle. Now we put an Aleph on top of it. A, and we can even turn the Taurus's head sideways, it becomes a lowercase a. Okay. Right? You turn it upside down, it becomes an omega too. Right. Right. Maybe it's just a polarity shift by turning right. it. Right. Right? Fuck. So, right? The, the point here is, is that Hermes is represented as both the masculine and the feminine. He is the divine, divine hermaphrodite who is balanced in both his masculine traits and qualities and feminine. That's why it's the Gemini planner. That's why it's the Gemini god because we're both men and women. And by the way, Venus controls Taurus in astrology. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So man is to be controlled. It could be through a subliminal or subconscious thing. Yeah. Right. Think about it like this, right? Have you ever wondered why at a dance it has to be the man who asked the woman to dance? I guess I just thought it was like societal. But somewhere that came up, right? right. Yeah. Somewhere that came up. Yeah. And like, why do women just say, yeah, that's okay? And then we'll do it once a year at Sadie Hawkins, which is like when the girls are preference, when the girls ask <laughs> yeah, the guys yeah, to yeah, dance, yeah, right? Yeah. And it's like, oh, it's all okay. Yeah. Right? And the guys yeah. love it too. Yeah. I, I remember loving it. I was like, oh, yeah. But there's something. <laughs> Right? About, I think... Well, because we are the more prized... We are the most, the more prized of the species. Like, we're the ones that can reproduce, so we shouldn't have to be asking anyone for anything. I'm sorry. You want... You, but, that's, but see, <laughs> that's okay, you just said it. Yeah, I said it, and it needed to be said. Yeah. So, the, I, I just did some ebonics. Well, yeah. So, I don't think I've ever done You're that You're so cool. So... <laughs> That's awesome. So the thing is that, in a way, 
by accepting that. Because yeah. some woman along the way could have said, you know, I'm the Rosa Parks. Yeah, I'm going like, to do it. I'm going to go okay? over there. I'm not going to be at the back waiting. Yeah. But there's something also that is, as you said, it's on my terms. Yeah. But you have to ask me. Yeah. So think about the control. You know, there's that one movie. What's that movie? Uh, 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 my Big Fat Greek Wedding. Yeah. Right? Where she's trying to teach her daughter. She's like, look, the man is the head, but the woman is the neck. She controls <laughs> where, the head, where goes the head goes and how it turns, right? And what it looks at. Which was also, I remember looking at it, I was like, well, that's kind of a very weird comment it's that people a, would make, right? Yeah, it's but scary. I, you know, it's funny. I lived in Asia. And in Korean society, I lived in Korea for two years. Korean society, they have this thing where when a man's outside the house... He doesn't walk next... Well, this is changing now. They're very modern now. Mm-hmm. Very, very modern. But 25 years ago when I lived there, the woman was not supposed to walk with him. How screwed up is that? Like, you can't, you can't hold hands and, I like, walk down the street unless you're in a very western section yeah. of town type of thing. I can see The that. woman had to, like, walk behind. Same yeah. thing in Japan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same yeah. deal, I right? I can totally see that. That's in the Middle East. Too. But what's interesting is even the king of Korea, yeah. Koryo dynasty, okay, right? Or the Joseon dynasty. The wife, the queen, inside the palace, yeah. total control. Mm-hmm. Total control. Mm-hmm. When it came to state matters, yeah. he had the control. Right. When it came to matters within the palace, yeah. she had absolute authority over him. Yeah. So you have to look at the value. We don't value highly enough yeah. the subconscious and the the indirect influence and how powerful that indirect influence is the barrage that, that men go through today yeah. of all these women on like Instagram that are like <laughs> they've been taught through all of their you know Society genetic them, epigenetic yeah, yeah, right everything, everything. DNA and everything is like yeah. okay this is supposed to be what you're looking for you know we have sensors in our eyes yeah. to look for yeah. Fibonacci ratios yeah, exactly. and those Fibonacci ratios exactly. Exactly. right of the Waist to hip ratio, yeah, yeah, yeah. or the lip. It's the same thing as doing a line lip. of cocaine, man. It's that's what right, it does to the right. It's brain. like, man, dopamine hit. Oh my yeah. gosh! And then it's like, don't look at me. Yeah. Because that's on my terms, right? Yeah. And I understand it, and I'm not. I don't judge it. It's yeah. just, I mean, you're right. I think to a certain extent, it's just hard for men. But why women put up with it also? Well, it's interesting because it's something like, I don't fully get. Um, there's like that poster there right but, so like, I, but I appreciate yeah I appreciate it because it's beautiful yeah I love the diversity that we have yeah but I think women do, I think there's I would a, not want women to be like men but, but I think <laughs> like it's, a, it's an education lack right because if like you learned in school that men react the way they do to certain ratios because their brain calculates certain things and lets out certain hormones I think that women would feel differently like we're not taught the right things right but also the reason I pointed out the poster is because you'll see with really 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 pretty men and Johnny Depp is a very good example um, they go through the same things that women go through society treats them very much so the way women are treated so I think it goes even beyond uh, maybe gender and has something to do with a certain level of vulnerability that beauty brings, and women are, for the most part, um, very, very, very beautiful. And I think part of that beauty is that we're very, very, very vulnerable. Physically, we're yeah. just very, very vulnerable. And, and I agree with you. I think it's harder for men who are um, 
on the attractive scale. No, but like I mean, pretty like a girl. Like there's a certain level of pretty that guys get to where even men are animals to them. Yes. Like I've been, I've been married to men like that. That like I couldn't take them to certain places because men would devour them. Like they, like they just. There's a certain level of beauty that you get to where it doesn't matter if you're a guy or a girl. You're just gonna get a lot of really negative attention. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, it's it's like scary. It's hard, I, I can tell you right now. I don't know that many people in working in the pharmaceutical industry that were very attractive, like you're describing, men that went very far. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah. Yeah, They because, like, it's, it's a liability. Like, um, you know, in Russia, people undergo all kinds of things when they go into politics to fuck up their skin. Because if their skin is smooth and soft, they won't get elected for anything. You know, uh, Newton, <laughs> Newton says that there must needs be, for every action, an equal opposite reaction. Right. Right. So you can think of it, because we know that obviously society has molded and conditioned us to a certain way to really put on a pedestal feminine beauty. Right. And... We're not at the same place for putting it on a pedestal. Okay, so we had to kind of cut that short because Redley called because she's coming over and we're going to pod. Uh, Reed Clinic is meeting up tonight. That podcast will be up later after this one. I'm sure this one has already blown your mind. Uh, big thank yous to Robert Grant, who is in my living room right now and my brain feels like it's going to explode for that reason and also for everything I just learned. And just out of sheer gratitude that you even are here. like Thank you. Wow. No, it's been great. It's been fantastic to meet you, uh, both last night and tonight. tonight. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'd already heard a lot about you from, uh, from mutual friends of ours. And uh, you definitely surpassed the, even the very, very high expectation that I was um, anticipating. Oh, man, that's so. amazing. Okay, so we should do a reading. So I'm going to wrap this up. So, guys, it was super nice. This was awesome. Hopefully, there's so much more to come. I think we're going to do um, an episode with Nassim and Robert where I'm basically just going to shut the fuck up and, like, let these two masters, like, talk. But we'll do that at the end of the month, inshallah. I'll tell you more about that later. For now, um, Robert, you want to say goodbye? Good night, everybody. Or goodbye, everybody. I, uh, I hope that you guys end up... Uh, Finding me on uh, on Instagram, Robert Edward Grant uh, is my Instagram, and then also I did a TED talk that you can just look up Robert Grant and TED, and uh, I look forward to meeting you and and uh, either online or in person. Yeah, we'll uh, I mean we'll do like all kinds of stuff, but I'm gonna link all his stuff um, on a post that I'll do about this episode. Holy shit! Okay, it's your girl DJ Nark. I'll see you later.